Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast, coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I have a bottle episode in store for you, one where we cover our first comic book conventions, our choices for anthologies for Marvel and DC, supernatural comics, the ranking of comic book movies, and superhero comic book movies, our feelings about Spider-Man, and much, much more in this two-hour, 45-minute episode. Comments on this episode and others are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. Send us your questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Cram McMillan, hello. Hello. I would just like to announce that it has started pouring in Portland, Oregon. Oh, gosh. And... I kind of love it. Yeah, I have to say I'm genuinely 100% envious. Well, you live in San Francisco, the city with no weather. Yeah, that is that is true. It was kind of overcast this morning. And in fact, just before we spoke, I went outside so that I could look at the cloud cover before it went dark. Because it was nice and cloudy. But, uh, it's, not, it's not dark there? Because it's pitch black. Here. Oh, no, no, it's right pitch now. black here. I, I mean, before okay. this call, I mean half an hour before. Okay, I was like, wow, I didn't think San Francisco was that different from here, but it's pitch, like, literally, I can't see anything outside my window, it's pitch black. Yeah, it's the same here. My my apologies for, for misleading you in that front. So. I, I am I am very upset that you, you just, it was a trap. It was, it was a trap, you totally fell for it. I did, damn it. <laughs> uh, hi, Wadnods, we're recording this early. Yes, we are. Uh, because, let's see, when this gets released, I, when we would normally record this if this was getting released, when it's getting released, I am at New York Comic Con. Right. Right. So you're telling me, Graham, in a very clever way, that this is, this is actually going to be coming out. Oh, you bastard. Hold on. Are we not recording? No, we're recording. It was hey, just, I just had this I, thing I where... Before you bastard, I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, 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 the phone was being being a shit. So I, I guess it's safe to say that, that people will be hearing this around October 8th or so. Sure. Let's right. let's go with that. Because you're leaving New York Comic Con. First day of that is the third, right? New York Comic Con is, uh, I am leaving on Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday. But uh, as, as we record, I should say. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Great. Good to know. All right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So yeah, whatnot. So uh, Graham had made some suggestions to make this more of a bottle episode, as a twelve. Yeah. And so what I'm going to do is uh, Jeff and I are going to be locked in a room, and we have two hours to find the escape. That's right. Uh, but while we do that, we're going to flashbacks to Eric. We should do that. We should do a clip show one day. We should have a clip show. It's a shame that I'm so relentlessly like easily overwhelmed by the editing process that I wouldn't even oh, no, know. No, no, the, the idea of trying to put together a clip show is actually horrendous. Yeah. We should have a show that someone else should be. Exa- exactly. Exactly. We will record the interstitials. Uh, but, <laughs> but the idea of actually going through and doing a clip show, yeah, that's that's sadly, sadly never going to happen. I, Jeff, I want to address something. Yes. Um, You will have seen this on Twitter this week. Jason saying definitely need a Patreon level for Way What Podcast where there's a year-end wrap-up where Graham <laughs> updates us and all the time said, oh, I have a comment, but I can't talk about it yet. Yes. Yeah. Gear thing. What does? I'd love to do that, 
But I love that you think that my memory is that good. <laughs> well, I know. I know. I mean, that's the other thing is, again, I'm like, we should crowdsource it. It was like, where did Graham say this? What episode? And at what <laughs> time? Also, like, yeah, but also, how am I going to remember what I was going well, to say? Some of that is context. Some of that right. is context. And some, and some of it, honestly, I've just forgotten. I'm oh, fairly yeah. sure, fairly sure as well that, that that comes in response to the one we released last week as we record. Yeah. Um. In which I was like, you were talking about Nightwing, and I was like, oh, Jeff, 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 I can't say anything. And in that case, Jason, I can never say that publicly. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's ones I can, like, later that I could explain. And I, I genuinely, I'm totally up for that. Mm-hmm. Like, what, it, it could be a, a Patreon thing, or it could be like a post on the website or something. Um, if people have specific things mm-hmm. that they remember, and you can remind me, I'll go back and listen to it and try and work out what I was, what I was talking about, and and if I can still say it, a lot of it is is um, stuff that will basically like if you pay attention to Hollywood Reporter, like a week after the episode released, it'll probably show up there somewhere. Yeah, right. You know, like it's normally something that's being announced in THR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like more often than not, I would say like you know three out of five cases it's that, uh, and the other couple, it's normally just bitchy gossip. <laughs> I'll, I'll never say publicly. Mm-hmm. That's true. And f- for what it's worth, what nonce, uh, there's actually been a few of those choice pieces that Graham has told me that so utterly forgot that I mentioned it to him like six to nine months later. And he's like, who told you where, that? <laughs> where did that come from? And you're exactly. like, you? Yeah, yeah, that that's 100% true. Yeah. And that also reminds me, Jeff, I have, I have gossip to tell you when we start recording. <laughs> The circle of life continues. Exactly. Um, yeah, there was that, and then someone had a response, which was, uh, also, every time you all go, oh, but the ending of that one, oh, man, right? And neither you say what it is, so you won't spoil it. <laughs> um, that one, I'm more like, like, context clues would give that away, right? I would think so. Like, if you really want, like, if we're talking about something, and we're like, oh, the ending, but we won't spoil it. Like, you know what we're talking about. Go and read the fucking comic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just, I just love the idea of, thank God, I mean, I didn't see that follow-up tweet, weirdly enough, so I'm hoping there's not yet another follow-up tweet where they're like, I also want to do one where, like, they've recounted the entire plot of what happens, but they don't bother to mention the name of the comic. Or, alternately... I'm really trying to be better about that. I'm really, legitimately trying to be better about it, especially when you and me are like, oh, and then that issue of, whatever, Doom Patrol, that's great, and we just talk about it, and we don't say anything, like, there's no context. Yeah, 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 it's true. I I also have tried to work very hard on that, so... Um, Blah, blah, blah. So... Oh, yeah, so I, 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 I want I... Here's the thing, Jeff. I have a couple of things I want to ask you. Oh, great. And one of which is because I'm going to New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Which is, I know about, like, the end of your convention going experience. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, you've told, you've shared some stories about, like, early convention going experiences. Mm-hmm. I want to know about your first convention. Oh, gosh. Uh... Like, when I say convention, I will include, like, yeah. um, used to be this thing in Scotland called, oh, God, I want to say it was called, like, the Glasgow Comic Mart. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, a convention if the convention was only the dealer's room. Mm-hmm. And also, it was roughly the size of someone's living room. Right. But, right. like, I remember going to that for the first time in, God, I could actually properly date this, because it was whenever 
came out. It was whenever what came out? Horace's first Aliens comic came out. Oh, wow. Okay. Because, um, because I had a friend in high school who was really into Aliens and not into comics, but he heard that was happening. Mm. And he was like, if you ever, ever find, like, if you ever see it, if you ever see it. And it was at that thing. So wow. I was 98, so I would have been 13. Wow. Wow. Um, but I remember going there and just being, like, fucking blown away. <laughs> and, like, at eight, and this is, this is something else that, like, I keep thinking about, and it's really funny now. Back issues that these days would be, like, insanely prohibitively expensive. Yes. Not so. Like, I remember a, around that same period it wasn't at this comic mart it was at a store um but uncanny x-men 137 mm-hmm. was six pounds i remember that really clearly yeah i'm like now that you know that wouldn't be the case oh yeah <laughs> you know? right right i are not like you know it that's 30 years ago mm-hmm. 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 but also it's just so funny that like because i remember seeing that issue in particular in a back issue bin yeah and being like i'm not gonna get it and i'm you know I would lay money that instead I was like, I'm going to save my money for this issue of Starbrand. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yes. Th- th- this touches on the second thing I want to ask you about in a second. But like, tell me about your first convention experience. Okay. I- I'll-, I'll tell you about two of them because I think together they sort of add up to more or less one memory. <laughs> or-, or is one story's worth of, of memories. But uh, at some point... When I was a kid, and I do not know how old I was, but I think I must have been a... Well, hold on. Let me think if I can figure this out. Four, fifth, so... Fifth grade, you add... How how, how is it? You add six years? Is that how it ends up? Like 12, six? I honestly don't know. Right, You're, you're like, you're not even giving me enough nouns to go on. Let's say that somewhere around the time that I was 10 or 11 years old, there was a uh, quote-unquote convention in Humboldt County where some dude rented out – Jesus. They rented out a local – I thought it was a movie theater, but it's been so long that I'm actually half thinking – Oh, maybe that is the way that it works. They rented out a movie theater and they showed 2001 A Space Odyssey. And me and a friend went to that and outside the movie theater, they had like literally two tables that had like Star Trek memorabilia, you know, like the like the um, still photography, a couple of patches like maybe a triple or two, you know, and that was it. It was so small. It was like one movie, two tables. That's all do, I do remember. You ever, do you ever have a moment where, where you realize like how absolutely insane fandom is? Yeah. Maybe a triple or two was one of those lines where I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, when I was older, and I want to say... I can I could really track it down, but oh god, could I? I I want to say that the two years after that, maybe three years after, like I was either twelve or thirteen, there was going to be a big three day science fiction and comic book convention down here in I believe it was San Francisco, and I asked my mom and dad if I could go 
to it. And it was basically, I had somehow hatched the plan of, I could go down, stay with my older brother, uh, John, and then he could take me to the show. And they were like, huh, do you think he'd want to do that? I'm like, can we ask? God bless my brother John was totally willing. So this was like this huge, like, I flew down by myself. It was the first time I'd ever flown in an airplane totally by myself. He picked me up from the airport. We spent the night at his apartment. And then the next two days we went to uh, the show down in San Francisco. He was living up outside Sacramento at the time, as I recall. And so God bless him. He not only made the ride down, I think I did fly to SFO, but we like drove back to his apartment, then we drove back down to the city, and then he did a tremendous amount of driving, and he was super sweet and awesome about it. And that show, which was a two-day, three-day show, was actually kind of, it was like a big deal. I mean, in the sense of I had never seen anything that big. The mm-hmm. first, it was like the first anime that I had seen. Like I went into the screening room for some anime, which was literally they were showing like part 15, like the epic conclusion of Mazinger Z or something like that. And it, it was amazing because it was like cartoons on, you know, steroids. Because it was like, it opens up the entire cities in flames. Like I'm used to watching shit like the Super Friends where people can't even punch one another. And, you know, everyone's like been cut up and bleeding and dying inside these giant robots. And I remember hanging out to watch the Johnny Quest episodes that they were going to show afterward. And I was sitting there waiting for the show to begin. And this guy started talking to me. This older guy was kind of like, oh, so you're here for Johnny Quest. I'm like, yeah. He's like, did you ever see the originals? And I'm like, I did, but I don't remember them. But my dad always told me that I, I liked them. And so I wanted to come back and see what I could remember about them. He was like, oh, that's really great. And we talked for a little bit. And then he signed my autograph book. Uh, and it was Doug Wildey, the guy who created Johnny Quest. Was Wow. Yeah. Had had sort of like, you know, shown up for this thing and was kind of like, oh, so what? So I do have tucked away in a storage space somewhere. I have a Doug Wildey like, you know, hey, Jeff, great to meet you with like a, a sketch of Johnny Quest from from him, which is. Wow. Did you know who he was when he signed the autograph book? Uh, like had he said, like I, I no, created him? Or? No, 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 no. Um, did he, he might've at the end, I think he, at the end. So he did when he signed it. I was like, Oh great. Like he seemed actually very happy. I think he was surprised that a kid was still interested in it. And, but yeah. you know, so I thought that was kind of sweet and great. So that's like, that's a lovely story. Yeah. That's so much better than most of my, pro- my professional stories. Like, I met Terry Austin at that convention and I got his signature and he and John Byrne had just taken over X-Men. It was literally issue oh. 108 had just come out or 109. I guess 108's the fill-in issue. So 109 had just come out and I was like, oh my God, you guys. And it was terrible because of course I'm like 12 or 13 years old so and a comic book fan. So I'm a complete asshole. I'm like, wow, you guys are taking over X-Men. I wish Dave Cockrum was staying. He's like, uh, what can you do? I'm like, but I loved you guys on Iron Fist. You guys were my favorite. Iron Fist is one of my favorite books. He's like, oh, thanks very much. I'm like, yeah, you guys, boy, why couldn't you just do more Iron Fist? And he's just like, uh, let me sign your book, you little monster. So it's like Terry Austin, 
like Frank Bruner, who I didn't really barely knew except from like his Howard the Duck covers, and I think mm-hmm. I think he gave me an autograph. Uh, Willie Ito, who I've got to look up. Like I'm like I don't even remember who Willie Ito is. He might have been a Jap. He was a Japanese and he was an animator, but I don't know if he did like anime or if he did other stuff. Anyway, it was all he kind did, of he did Disney stuff. It looks like. Ah, there we go. That makes more sense to me. And, yeah. And ABC Super Saturday Superstar movie, NBC Children's Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was he was an animation artist in San Francisco. Yeah, so there was there was a lot of people who were really. Oh wow, Jeff. Yes. Did like Hong Kong Fui. Oh wow. Oh god. He did Flintstone comedy show. He did Inchai Private Eye, which was rerun all that and wait till your father gets home. All these shows were rerun like when I was a kid all the fucking time. Holy and looking shit. at them like they were done by the time I was born, but they were rerun all the time. Yeah, banana. He did banana splits. Pearls wow. of Penelope Pitstop, Wacky Races. Yeah. Like, he did all the classics. Yeah, did 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 a ton of the classics. Anyway, really, really sweet guy. Uh, so that was sort of my larger sense of, again, the thing that I remember about fandom, and it's, it's like you talk about it, and I can almost kind of all but smell it like it's kind of weird like everyone like if if you're asked to smell a comic con now you know everyone inevitably goes to the the sweat uh you know the stink of people boiling in a room but back then it was almost more like you could kind of smell the faint mustiness that came up from the hotel carpets as you sort of like dug through a long box underneath the table or something like that and and again and also just even in my brain, like the big San Francisco show, which was multiple days, um, really felt like it was happening like in a space that somehow seemed like really large and yet really small right next to each other. In part because I felt like there was a little bit of that, like I said, I have just such strong memories of of somebody always having that goddamn three ring binder that was filled with the plastic sheets stuffed with you know the full color production stills from like Star Trek stuff and then you mm-hmm. keep flipping and you know they'd have like somebody who had like a good collection would have like 30 or 40 of those in fact I wonder if I bought one I keep thinking that, that there was one that stuck in my memory so much I might have bought it but I've never turned it up in my records anyway but then you keep flipping and then it gets to the point where it's like get smart production stills and then at a certain point it's 20,000 under leagues under the sea production stills and then just by the end they're just like fucking whatever just here just <laughs> so I'm like this is a, uh, Born Free is not a science fiction movie at all or even a fantasy and they're like look do you want to buy it or no because if you don't get away from my table so uh, you're you're reminding me of um there there still is, I believe, in Glasgow, a comic store called A1, <clears throat> or maybe AKA. It was called AKA when it started, mm-hmm. and it started in like a, a like multiple small stores in one building. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a proper way to describe it. I want to say it was called the Arcade, but I could be misremembering. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was there, and it was tiny. It was a tiny little store, but I, like I liked that a lot, and I went there a bunch. Mm-hmm. But just across the way was a store that was literally just movie stills. Mm, yeah, that was it. And you could tell, like even at the young impressionable age that I started going there, mm-hmm. and that again, we're talking like you know thirteen, fourteen. 
Um, you could tell that like they weren't the original photographs, but at some point they'd taken a photograph of the original photograph. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yet, like, they, I remember really clearly, they would just sell them for a fucking fortune. Mm-hmm. And they'd have movie scripts and yeah. stuff like that. And it would always be like, you know, we've got your Star Trek, we've got your Star Wars, we've got your Battle Beyond the Stars, we've got your Last Starfighter, we've got, and then it's just could, like, you know, Bug Rogers, right. you know, Battlestar Galactica, Lost in Space, and then it eventually gets to like, we've got, you know, Wait till your one. father gets home. No, you know. no, no, but like, you know, this one thing that was never really aired, but maybe you've seen the bootleg. Oh, like, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you'll be like, what is this shit? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I love that there was an era that is so far away from us now. Like, we live in such totally different times, uh, that it's hard to, for me to even wrap my brain around that, like, Movies were really ephemeral, and if you were really into a movie, you could catch some of the various aspects of it, but you kind of couldn't have the movie, because, you know... Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, that's why you get, like, photo novels. Do you remember the photo novels? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, or or really, why, like, the comic adaptations of movies... Yes, yeah, ...were such a big thing, Mm -hmm. because you could get the the you know you couldn't even get the video i remember yeah and this is eating both of us horrifically but i remember like you know when home videos start, first started coming out yeah. and they were just expensive oh yeah like you couldn't buy them because they were prohibitively expensive yeah they were they were they were like 70 dollars each or something and which made no sense except for the fact that the the way that people viewed it was like you were yeah i mean there was so much going on but yeah it was it was ridiculous uh and but right up to that, that idea of like, like you said, like catching the comic, reading like bad comic adaptations was just anything. And well, of course, the I photo mean, novels. The, the majority of the the comic adaptations were bad comic adaptations. It's funny looking back now. Well, first of all, you don't really get comic adaptations now. No. You know, because why? Why would you? You can buy the movie. Right. Um, but it's funny looking back and seeing how. I was going to say how many publishers, but really, I mean Marvel, because I I just remember Marvel adaptations far more than anyone else's. Yeah, like you know, uh, DC did some. They did Star Trek movies, definitely they did Superman movies, uh, and like Heavy Metal did Alien in nineteen forty one. But um, like Marvel did did so many, and especially in Britain, you saw the Marvel ones more readily. Sure. But I remember like the shitty Marvel ones. Oh God, yeah. Like like there's Marvel Bond adaptations yes. that are just like. Maybe this person's never seen a Bond film, doesn't know who James Bond is. Like, you know, how did this even get, like, how did, how did the movie studio even sign off on this, you know? Well, but that's even still better than, um, than the shit that people were getting from stuff like Gold Key. Like those Star Trek books where it's like, oh, are so, are so great. Yeah. Where they're like, written like, and drawn like, by people who didn't have the episode, yeah, didn't have yeah. a Bible or anything. Who literally genuinely hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that shit is crazy. And in fact, one of the things that's funny, because you had sort of pointed out uh, on the Tumblr sort of how slipshod the Star Wars adaptation is, and I remember reading articles about how much, supposedly, how, how much fidelity Marvel had for the Star Wars adaptation and the fact that they had way more access to photo reference and script stuff than most other movie treatments got, you know, and then it yeah, just but then you really then you look at them and you're like, oh no, 
I mean, but you've also got to remember, you know, the, the special effects weren't finished, and, and you know, oh yeah, who, who really knows? But I just remember there is the um, the Jabba scene mm-hmm. in the original Star Wars, yes, in comic, yeah, you know, which and, and the big scene, like it's got all the scenes that the famous scenes that were cut out. Yep. Um, it's just yeah, it's 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 funny because I remember. I'm fairly sure, like, I, I want to say the first, like, movie adaptation comic I read was, um, The Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which kind of makes sense, because that was, what, 80 or 81? Uh, yes. 80, right? 80. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's 77, 80, 83. Yeah. Uh, the original trilogy. Um, and so that makes sense, because I would be like, you know, six. I'd be like five or six. And that seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. Like picking up the weekly and and, and remembering it, I, but I remember like being blown away by the art, mm-hmm. being like these are just like photographs, like really, really, you know, this is nothing like any other comic. This is amazing, uh, and and in a way, weird way, like that has set up a, a an expectation that, like no other comic will ever meet. Well, but I think, honestly, on the one hand, I see why, of course, you were overwhelmed at that age. But the fact of the matter is, Al Williamson is fucking great. Oh, no, in terms no. Of, I, yeah, it, I mean, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. But it's just like, I remember even looking at the advertisements, uh, and I can see it like in my head right now from the back of the, the British weeklies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it had like random panels, but it had one of the panels was Han Solo shooting his, his blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just seeing that and being like, oh wow, yeah. oh man, did that like that? That's the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Because, and, because it, you know, for, especially when you're that age, mm-hmm. but, but it, there, there was just something like super exciting about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, What's also strange is, and you know, the age difference between you and me and, and also the availability of American comics to someone in America versus someone in the UK, um, we'll play into this as well. But I didn't know until, like, definitely the last 10 years that there was ever a comic version of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. Because it just never came out mm-hmm. in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um. And I always thought that, like, they picked, like it, it got picked up with the, the John Byrne issues. Oh, because they, so right. they were released in right. the UK. Mm-hmm. And they were then, maybe they're serialized in Star Wars comic first and then they were released as Indiana Jones comic or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never saw Raiders of Lost Ark. Mm. And when I found out, and again, this is like in the last 10 years, so like, I am a grown ass man. <laughs> but I had, I had a, like a portion of that same thrill. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like that weird thing where you're like, oh, like my nostalgia for this movie in particular. It's like if someone said, um, you know, you didn't know this, but in 1985, they adapted Back to the Future. Right. You right. know, I'd have this weird bit thing of being like, what? How? Because it's the double nostalgia of like the film, but also the way comics looked back then. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's this weird, it was this weird thing reading it for the first time, just being like, oh my god, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm nine years old again, this is amazing. <laughs> so, I, I have to say, I have only the vaguest memories of the Raiders adaptation. Wasn't it done by John Basima and his, like, super... It's Walt Simonson writing. Mm-hmm. And it's John Basima art. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Cause I is, it John, is it Basima and Klaus Janssen? Oh, that makes sense, because I feel like it had that sort of um, openness that Janssen tended to leave to Basima's work. Uh, yep, yep. Yeah, good Basima call. Basima and mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it was, and it's just it works really well as a comic. Do you know what I mean? Like all three of them are on the same page tonally. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I and yeah, it, it, but it's very much it is very much of its time mm-hmm. for want of a better way of putting it, right. which which really helps the nostalgia. Like if you can have nostalgia for something that didn't exist, <laughs> do, well, do you know what I mean? Like I hadn't read the comic back then. Right. 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 No, I get it, but I also get the idea of how you can read it and. Because there is, to me, there's a little bit of, and I feel like Star Wars aside, most of the movie adaptations that Marvel did, if you read one, you kind of felt like you'd read them all. Like, there's just something... Oh, yeah, there, there's much, there's a sameness. There's definitely a sameness yeah. to a lot of comic adaptations at the time. And it's funny when you see it, um, like, for the many different films. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a... a is it Jaws or Jaws Two? I think it's Jaws, Jaws Two. 2. That, yep. Yeah. yeah. That we've we've talked about before. There's Jaws Two. There was but Marvel's like, like hype. The, yeah. But like, there's also like Xanadu. There's Xanadu. Right? There's and the Wizard of Oz. That's the way when you read them. Well, here's the thing I always say about the Wizard of Oz. You remember the Wizard of Oz's first Marvel DC co-production, right? Oh yeah, that's right. I did forget that. That's right. Yeah, and they they just pimped the hell out of that book. Oof. I can't remember if that's also John Basuma, but I do remember picking that up and being like, oh, God, no. You know, because... Wizard of Oz comic. Uh, It's not that... Oh, come on. Someone tell me when it is. Talk amongst yourselves, everyone. Um, Peas and carrots, 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 peas and carrots. Uh, It seems to want to tell me who made the the Wizard of Oz. Really? Really weird, huh? Yeah, I'm. I have no idea. The cover actually looks like it might be Marie Severin, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Y- yeah, but it may not. And it was actually looked in that sense. It looked pretty faithful, but uh, but just the fact that, of course, unsurprisingly, they cut the the musical numbers. Of course, so there's just like well, yes. one panel. Although there is a, there is a um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band comic. Oh yeah. Right, which I will. That adapts. That adapts the. Oh, it is John Basima. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Roy, Roy Thomas and John Basima doing Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's right. Sergeant Pepper, man, I would love to kind of see that one. That'd be kind of insane. Again, though, it's sort of that weird th- deal of like Marvel did a lot of musicals as comics, and it's like. It's got to be that whole, like, oh, we can sell these in record stores, which had sort of become, like, defaults to head shops or something. Like, I'm not quite sure what they were thinking because there was a lot of, like, oh, we'll do music, but we're in no way going to capture the music or even show a musical number starting or beginning. I don't know how that is for Sgt. Pepper's. I could be wrong. But definitely Wizard I wanna of say, Oz. I want to say they try the, some musical moments in, in Sgt. Pepper's. That would make sense because that Cause movie is such a medley like movie. movie. Yeah, you that know. movie is only about the music. Yeah. There's nothing left exactly. if you ignore the music. Yeah, um, that is that is the worst movie. I would love That's to one, see it. I still haven't seen. That is that is one of those movies that like I watched, being like, yeah, you know, it'll be so bad it's good. And there are moments of that, right? But there are far moments, far many more moments of just, 
oh no yeah oh this 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 was a bad idea and surely everyone at the moment realized it was a bad idea yeah i mean i feel what's amazing is is that everyone did like i remember as that movie was coming out everyone was kind of already trying to erase it from existence <laughs> you know because it really the timing was off just enough in the production pipeline that like by the time it came out the bgs weren't were kind of out of fashion peter frampton was super out of fashion and the idea of the beatles being done but like faintly discoized just everything about it rubbed everyone the wrong way. Everyone was like, "Oh, yeah, you should see it for the Steve Martin cameo," and that's all I ever heard at all. But well, you, but what about um, George Burns is in it, right? I'm not imagining that. I see that's it. I yes, feel yes. Like I just looked up. Miss, he plays Mr. Kite. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Being for the benefit of. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go, Steve Martin. Yeah. So, also, whoever wrote this Wikipedia entry is really trying hard. To Steve Martin's performance as Dr. Maxwell Edison singing Maxwell Silver Harmer foreshadows his zany dentist role in the 1986 film Little Shop of Horror. That's right. That's right. A fine bit of literary foreshadowing by the talented Mr. British, Martin. British, British comedian Frankie Howard as Mean Mr. Mustard, his only major film appearance, uh, US film appearance. He later quipped about the film, it was like Saturday Night Fever, but without the fever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's on the money. Uh, uh, so I guess okay. So as long as we're we're touring down Nostalgiaville, I feel like I of course overtalked my con appearances and need didn't didn't. But let me let me ask you this, Graham, because this is the closest thing I really came to a, a prep question. You have uh, were astoundingly well grounded. Uh, for <laughs> in your comics history, in part because you were reading all the Marvel anthologies titles that came out in the UK, and um, you and I both have pretty fond memories. Again, despite it not being of your era at all, the hundred-page giants that DC put out back in the 70s, where they had one new story and then just an anthology of older material. Yeah. And I was thinking a little bit about, of course, the, the old Walmart specials that are out, which have one new, you know, was it six pages of new material? Six, 10 12, pages? 12, 12, 12 pages. 12, 12 pages, pages of new material and then and then re- reprints mm-hmm. that I wanted to ask you, like you can t- tackle as much or as little of this question as possible, but you get the chance to do a hundred page giant for... DC, Marvel, and or one other company, like, in other words, to sort these all out, depending on how far or how deep you want to go, what titles, runs, or characters would you put in the book or books? Wait, so it's one for DC, one for Marvel, and one for everyone else? Uh, one for... Or, or one for all three? No, uh, no, one for DC, one for Marvel, and one for one other company. Okay, but if you so only DC, want to tackle DC, one of those. Mm-hmm. Um... I've got to say, like, their Justice League book seems like the obvious one to do mm-hmm. because you get to do, you get to include so many different characters in there. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, that seems like the obvious one. I'm guessing, I, like, I, the ones that exist are off the table, right? 
Uh, what do you mean the ones that exist? Like I can't say Superman, Batman, uh, Justice League, or whatever the fourth one is, Teen Titans. Uh, no, you can, you can. Okay. I just, I but, guess what I would, I, say, I yeah. probably, I'd probably go for Justice League. Okay. Um, I would probably have Morrison's Justice League mm-hmm. as a reprint. I would have a revolving, rotating new story featuring a, a which is a solo character. Mm-hmm. Um, I would then have hmm. I might go and have uh, some of the Silver Age Superman stuff as a reprint in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like there's got to be Batman, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, and weirdly, and I don't know why I'm thinking this, because this is not my favorite era of Batman at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of like the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams Batman. Mm-hmm. If not that, then, and this is purely because of, like, what's been happening this last week and I've been thinking about it a lot, the Alan Grant, Norm Brayfogle Batman. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably what I do for DC. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, let's see. I'd also, I'd also, honestly, try and fit another story in there. Yeah. Because the fact that they're... I, I mean, I've, I've got some of the Walmart books, and it doesn't feel like there's a lot of filler, but the idea of only having three reprint stories in one 12-page still feels like there's a lot of pages left. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd probably put a Wonder Woman story in there as well somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I might pick the fondly remembered by no one but me, like 1980s run. Mm. Uh, the Jose Delbo illustrated run. Wow. If not that, then the Rucka run. The Rucka, uh, uh, shit, who drew that? Drew Johnson. Drew Johnson? The one, the one before Infinite Crisis. Right. I think um, yeah, I, I might be making that out. Like, Rags Morales drew, drew the last few issues and that was it. Marvel, what would I have? I would have, um, I would go for like a, a umbrella title, like Marvel Superheroes or something. Mm-hmm. And I would have, Ooh, now I'm, now I'm going to cheat. I'd have the Claremont Bissema Marvel Comics Presents Wolverine stories. Nice. Which are super short. Mm-hmm. Only like eight pages. Right. Um, I would have... Kirby's Machine Man. Oh, God. Great choice. I would have... A new Avengers, I think, and it would be full length. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it would be in the tone of, if not by uh, the Parker Marvel Adventures run. Remember when it was like done in ones, and it was yes, like, there was right like it'd be those. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there has to be some Spider Man in there. Right. Uh, I might just go for the Zdarsky Spider-Man that just finished. Because mm. I thought that was super fucking solid work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really, really, really liked that. Especially the last issue. Did you read the last issue? No, no, no. I heard it's, great things about it. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, 
But if not that, then I'd go for the Stern John Romita 1980s Spider-Man. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that that seems strong. Um, and for everyone else, can I just choose from multiple publishers? Oh, that seems somehow super cheating, but sure. <laughs> um, I would go for Eddie Campbell's Alec. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have... Um, what else would I have? I really don't know. Because here's the thing. Part of me was like, if I was like going for like library material from a publisher, mm-hmm. I think I'd go for Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it was Dark Horse, it would be Concrete mm-hmm. Finder. Mm-hmm. Um, what else does Dark Horse have these days? Uh, oh, Evan Dorkin stuff. Evan Dorkin's humor, humor stuff. Right. Um, and... I would want new material from Faith Aaron Hicks doing more superhero girl. Oh, nice. There you go. And now I want to hear your answers. Oh, gosh. Well, I... Look, you asked the question. No, I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I made a point, like, once I I was like, ooh, but I made it, I did not sit down and do what I sometimes do, which is actually work out a super composed awesome list. Uh, so yeah, for DC, I think I would do, I would do something that would just be called something like DC Showcase, and it would be kind of trying to get hopefully all ages material, but also across like multiple decades of DC. Mm-hmm. So very much like Silver Age Superman from the 60s, mm-hmm. uh, Kirby's Commandy from the 70s. Uh, those old Kid Eternity stories that I love so much from like the 40s mm-hmm. and or Captain Marvel, you know, classic CC sure, from, back the, stuff. from the same time. Yeah. yeah, from the same era. Uh, and then that leaves me to come up with, you know, sort of like great all ages stuff that's like more current. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I don't know. I would probably do something like, um, the really strong work that was being done on the Batman, the animated series comic there for a couple of years. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if that leaves me with one more title, I keep feeling like there's like a really good sort of DC all ages title or, or all ages appropriate titles that would be worth having at that particular point. I might just actually double down on the Silver Age and maybe have Silver Age Flash stories. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that what, would... What's really funny is you're saying that and I'm just like, you know what would be great? <laughs> if you got like Ryan North or John Allison writing mm, Flash. Yeah. And you got Nick Darrington to draw it. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I didn't even think about the new material, but let's, let's choose that as the new material. And that would be, that would be fabulous, right? So, that sounds good. Marvel... Uh, Marvel was kind of a harder fix for me because, of course, because I'm, I love so much Marvel stuff, I would instantly start coming up with like nine different titles. But again, yeah. trying to hit something that kind of hit everything, but also hit the stuff that I really responded to. Um, it, it's like I would have like Steve Inglehart's Avengers run, uh, and then like, the recent 
Ryan North, Erica Henderson, Squirrel Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I am, I'm so frustrated that you picked Kirby's Machine Man because I was like, yeah, I'd love to have some 70s Kirby in there. And I guess maybe the idea would be sort of like in the same way that they, they did it with your Marvel anthology titles. Maybe it's just start with one Kirby Marvel 70s book and just kind of go through all of them. You know what I mean? So it's like, once you're done with, like, start with Devil Dinosaur, then go to Machine Man, then, I don't know, go into this Captain America run, then go to 2001 is Space Odyssey, which we'll never see, and, uh, you know, Black Panther, and just everything that he ends up doing until he's yeah. out of there. Which, I, know, I've got to say, I am super, super curious why no one has ever tried to get the 2001 license from MGM. Yeah. And yeah. put it back out. Like, it's... I just feel like it's money and on the table. You know, you you just put out like a really good Kirby run. I I hope so, but I don't know. I got to admit, it it depending on how depending on sometimes these offers are just crazy, you know. And particularly that one could be really weirdly locked down for whatever reason by other licensing stuff. Like, I don't know how much, like, say, Kubrick had to personally sign off on crap like that. But usually, yeah, you would think it seems like easy money on the table. But the flip side of that is it seems like um, people with the license prop the, with the licenses always sort of overestimate how much their worth and so it's always like it's, it's ah. true like uh, you, after, immediately after I said like, money on the table I was like actually I should ask Titan how well the Kirby Engelhart Gil Kane prisoner sold oh right which I didn't even because, see like, or grab and I still would have right? I think I was still looking for that to come out so yeah right exactly I, I, I'm actually not sure if it's, it's I want to say it came out in the summer but I might be misremembering but this is one of the things where like my timeline gets completely screwed mm-hmm. because when I did the announcement, they gave me a PDF of it. Mm, nice. And that, like, but that means, has it even come out yet? Right. Let right. me look. Actually, uh, yeah, it came out in July. Holy shit. I'll have to hunt that down and order a copy, because I definitely wanted to see that. So. Yeah. It's, but, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's nuts, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, um, but what kind of makes it in the, and I, I was surprised by this, it's Engelhart's script. Oh really? Well, the Kirby stuff is the, is like yeah. you know Kirby, so it's it's basically like it, it's the pencils, but it's as a comic, right? Yeah. But the Kane stuff was never lettered. Oh wow! So it's the artwork, and then it's the script. Mm. Um, yeah, it's 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 a thing. It's it's great, if, wow. especially like if you like the prisoner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then you'll love it because was not love. It's Kirby. It's Engelhart, it's Kane. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, and it's also a masterclass in seeing how different creators approach exactly the same material, because they're both adapting the opening episode. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd, that'd be amazing. Uh, okay. but again, like, I, I have no idea how much that sold. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. that, cause that's something that to me, I'm like, who could not want this? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, for all we know, it's like five people that wanted that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So I do feel that way sometimes about So maybe being like, who wouldn't buy 2001? Yeah. And the answer may be like, everyone, everyone would not buy 2001. Right. Right. Well, and again, there's also a little bit of the, considering we opened this episode talking about, 
a little bit about comic book movie adaptations, but also a little bit about fidelity, I suppose, as we interpreted it in our little kid brains, you know. And Kirby is not... Kirby and Kubrick are very, very different dudes, right? So they have very different things that they're thinking of when they're books, and that that's part of what makes Kirby's 2001, like, unbelievably awesome. But at the same well, yeah, time... Uh... And not only that, like the series that followed when Kirby essentially is like, I'm going to tell the stories I want. Yeah. And they're they're like vaguely connected to the the movie. Like really, really vaguely. Like, you know, I'm going to use the monolith or the star child and that's it. Yep. Um, But that stuff's fucking compelling. At San Diego this year, the Kirby Museum had full-size reproductions of Kirby's pencils from the adaptation. Ooh. Oh, that would be beautiful to look at. Yeah. It was just amazing like yeah. really genuinely amazing yeah uh yeah they do that every year they're, they're like look this year we have full-size reproductions of blah 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 and you just flip through it and you're it's one of those things where you're like i wish this was not such a small booth yeah because i want to spend time but i'm super self-conscious that like i'm in a tiny little space with like four other people yeah yeah exactly you know and you're like i'm just flipping through this really quickly oh god <laughs> Uh, so how far did I get in? Like three titles, four titles? It's a little hard. Uh, to tell. You got in. You got in four titles, I think, for Marvel. Yeah, four four titles, and um, gosh, I I feel like I should have some sort of like new material, of course, in there. That again, like I'll tell you honestly, there's part of me that it's like I said all that, but I mean, I have really fond memories of like. Uh, Whatnots, it may not surprise you that, you know, since Graham and I have had Baxter building on the brain, in part because it's almost like an incurable disease that will not leave since we're talking about the DeFalco Ryan run, I'm really aware of how much superhero and romance stuff was really my jam as a kid. And I think maybe, I don't think I would have stuck around in comics for as long as I had if, if, if the, Stanley soap opera romance revelation thing hadn't been as much a thing and that relationships mm-hmm. sort of actually started and ended. So I would love to have something that would be such a like good, strong example of that, even though I'm not really sure that that example really exists. The more I go back and read those comics, I'm always like, Oh yeah. Like the sophisticated, mature relationship between Danny Rand and Misty Knight. And then I read the comics and it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, right? It's like, fight, fight, fight. Hey, maybe I like you. I've loved you more than anything ever. Our love will burn with a thousand hot passions. And like, as a kid, you're like, wow, adult romance is amazing. No, but that's just it. Like, and you've said this before, but you, when you're a kid and you read this, like, just schlock, just Mm -hmm. badly rich shit, Mm -hmm. um, it does have this, uh, cause you don't know, you literally don't know any better. Yeah. And it has this weird thing of like, that's what it's like. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that's amazing. Like, I can't wait till I do that. Right. Uh, right. And then, like, you you know, you grow up and you have relationships, and you're like, holy shit! <laughs> like, I can't. Believe- no, but really, you're like, I can't believe. Right. That, like, you know, I thought this was in any way. Um, I, I've talked about this before, but um, Engelhard's Green Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm is, I mean, a, a disaster area mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Like, 
appallingly so, embarrassingly so. Mm-hmm. You know, problematic is not the word. That's exactly the phrase I was like, thinking like, of. Like, yeah, like, that, that right. You know, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I remember reading it as it came out, and again, I was like eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, look at like this is it's so complicated. This like he's really he's you know he's he's doing all this stuff that's really important, and you know <laughs> this is what adult relationships have to be like. And then you read it over again, you're like, what the fuck is this? Oh God, this scarred me for life, and I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, in that regard, part of me would love to get, even though it's only just a couple of years, um, and having reread it, like it. It so falls apart at the end, but when Jerry Conway is on Spider-Man and he kills off Gwen Stacy, he has a plan for the Peter-Mary Jane relationship, and that plan actually makes it kind of potentially, like, I don't want to say it's more mature than the other stuff that was on the sands at the time, but it absolutely isn't. But it does in part because of the way that Conway has to write Peter Parker, the way that he's been written by like, you know, Stan Lee, which is to say that he really comes off with like kind of deranged anger issues half the time, you know, but the, the stuff where they sort of move from like Mary Jane, like being there to just be a genuine, like, um, like resource for him because he is completely wiped out. And then they become friends, then they become lovers, and then, like, it all, it all felt like, I, even rereading it, I'm like, this has got a little more meat on the bones, like, some of it is actually happening on the page. Part of the miracle of comic romances, at least in superhero books, is how much they're able to have happen off the page, and at least as a kid, you never know, is like, was that in the comic that I didn't? get you know mm-hmm. but that also works like I remember being like really into of course Scott Summers and Jean Grey like because precisely at the I knew enough of them during the basic X-Men stuff that I didn't care about but when Claremont and Cockrum you know do Uncanny and then they really make the relationship seem like they're adults you know in that weird way that you would only think that way if you're like a young preteen. But at the same time, I'm like, it really, they, it did get embellished with those scenes where like, they're going to a Christmas party. Like they're going to someone's housewarming. I remember like when Peter Parker like had his housewarming party, like he moved into that new apartment and everyone gave him like ugly furniture. Like he had like some cigar store Indian in his, in his, you know, apartment for like ever. Like it was kind of great that, and like all of his friends showed up, you know, for the housewarming party. Like there were little bits and pieces in that, that I just have such a strong snare on me. And I wish there was kind of a way to like, again, in my little hundred page giant, I would somehow manage to worm in that feeling of like, I don't know, like the romance of regular life that, that as a Mm -hmm. kid, you can't help, romanticizing adult life kind of like there's a way in which that superhero kind of where that that merge happens i suppose you know yeah it, it's it's funny like you're saying that and part of me is thinking imagine you had uh, uh an anthology title mm-hmm. and it wasn't recurring 
stories as much as it's Jeff's romance anthology title. Right. Yeah. You right. know, and you could really curate it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would love to do something like that. And there is like, kind of like, oh, what would I put in there? It's like the romance in the center of Master of Kung Fu and, you know, and again, Danny Rand and Misty Knight and Peter Parker and Mary Jane and a bunch of that stuff in ways that wouldn't really like, I don't know, like, I just don't, I don't think, like, any of that stuff would necessarily age well. On the other hand, it might still have, I, part of me sort of feels like if you could sort of put all that together, and I think maybe that is the dream of the DC 100-page giant for me, or the way that you've described the Marvel, British Marvel anthology books, they manage somehow to be larger than the sum of their parts, you know? Yeah. And that, and, and I would like to try and do that for something like, like superhero romances to see if you could actually get that feeling, you know, of recapture that feeling, I guess, just from sort of a cumulative effect of so much, so much like awkward romancing that you're like, yeah, I'm totally into this. Yeah, this works for me. So, uh, yeah. I, well, I want to know your um your third title. Yeah, I've been I've been actually very confused about this cuz I I really had a I spent a lot of time wringing my hands on this one and the closest I could come up with and it struck me as incredibly lazy is I kind of feel like if Fanographics if you could do an anthology of the sort of when they were publishing sort of their 90s monthly titles, you know what I mean, where and even and mix it up a little bit, but have it so that it's like every issue is like an issue of Love and Rockets and 8 Ball and Hate, you know, and you'd have the Lloyd Llewellyn stuff in there. Um and then, you know, some Jim Woodring and some Kim Deitch and some of the the some of the weirder stuff and then the more normal slice of life stuff, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, part of me is like, I keep saying like, oh, that's a, that'd be a great idea, but I, it's fascinating to me how much I think that is also, uh, like an illusion of his, of historical, uh, uh, epoch, you know, uh, in, influenced illusion. Cause I'll read like the love and rocket stuff holds up for me and the eight ball stuff holds up for me. But for whatever reason, when I start reading Hate, I just feel like, I don't know if it's me or the material, but I'm like, I, after like an issue and a half, I'm just not interested, you know? And also mm-hmm. there's part of me where that yeah, feels but, but, like uh, all was that material is out there. Much of its, yeah. Was it not very much of its time, though? Well, like, yeah. In, in a way that, like, that's kind of what made it right. it. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... um like great pop music some great pop music just doesn't stand up anymore yeah right you know you listen and you're like oh that you know that sounds very 1980s or you know whatever mm-hmm. and 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 i think hate is in many ways like the the comic book version of that you know i think there's something to be said for that i also think it, it's much in much the same way that like a lot of the like you know rob liefeld stuff or, or jimmy right. stuff right it could it, be it, yeah like exists purely in in and of its time. Well, I also feel like I think that's I think that's absolutely true first and foremost. 
But I also remember, like, when I started rereading Hate and kind of the, oh, I know where it's going. Like, one of the things that was interesting about Hate was it straddled the, this is a humor comic, but it's also, um, you know, continuity. It's like things happen from issue to issue, characters, like, sort of grow. And I think that was it. There was such a feeling that Peter Bagg was like, oh, the story of Buddy Bradley is going somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of didn't, which is the way that things somehow happen with life. But yeah, I was going to say like that's that feels uh, correct or or coherent. Like it doesn't feel satisfactory from a reader's point of view. Yeah, right. Exactly. But in terms of like in terms of who he was, sure. Yeah, exactly. And so I think ultimately there was also a little bit of that like, oh, this isn't this isn't really going to pay off much you know it's like I'm never know I'm never going to know what happens to Butch or like this whole relationship with you know uh, that Buddy starts up with Valerie is actually going to get swapped to his relationship with her roommate Lisa because you know because Bag finds that character more inherently amusing you know And it had bits and pieces when it came back and revisited things. You did have that echo of like, oh, time's passing and these people are becoming different people. But again, it had that weird like, it didn't really, it never really cohered in a way that made it when I sat down to revisit it. One of the things that's pretty amazing about Love and Rockets is the way that the Hernandez brothers are able to both have the growth of characters over time, but also have them things grow and happen to them in the course of whatever their story or arc is. So each story manages to feel meaningful, but it also on its own terms, but it also feels like even after you give up thinking that it's a building block towards something larger, every once in a while it will end up being that way. And it's kind of amazing, you know, and I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me how poorly, uh, for me, like I said, hate in my memory is just like, mm. um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of like I threw in that other publisher cause I'm like, oh, that would be important. And kind of like you said with Dark Horse, I was like, yeah, like if I sat down and really did the math, I could maybe work out something, but I don't. I don't know. Like I said, Fanagraphics, perhaps because it was the only, I, it made me realize kind of how much that might have been the only company after uh, DC and Marvel that actually meant something to me for a long period of time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and now I don't know. I don't really know if any of those have that kind of spot. You know, if you if you went for one that wasn't a publisher centric one, like someone comes to you and right. says. Like you have a reprint anthology, and you can choose basically like any independent book, right? Any into any in any creator-owned work yeah. or, or or independent publisher. Do you have like could you make one then? I I suppose, although I don't necessarily know kind of what it would be like. I like what you were saying. Like Finder seems like a. Gr- like a great idea. I can also see an anthology in which Adam Warren's uh, empowered, like becomes like a real strong little um, through line, you know, kind of like when you mentioned concrete, I'm like, I know that I have those things where if I like really honest to godly, like sat down and did the math, I could stitch together like, you know, 
that sort of perfect anthology book. Like, I, I think that Eddie Campbell's Alec is such a really perfect, solid hook, you know. But I don't know. It's weird. I'm kind of like, I'm really, I'm drawing that sort of aggressive blank that is the, oh, my brain is actively blocking on this on this particular corner. Because I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to do a thing with the stuff, Graham. You know what I'm saying. Like, and I really, <laughs> I really don't. I mean, part of me is like, I kind of feel like as an anthology feature, I would love to have something that would be uh, like an, like an ant. I guess what I would do is I would love to take, take something that would be a title that would be called something like grit and have it be like just diverse crap like Hookjaw and Harlem's Heroes but also like I don't know like Chicken's American Flag and like Mike Barron's Badger and uh, just like kind of the weird weird ass kind of gritty stuff that it run like Brubaker and Phillips Criminal you know and just kind of jam it all into kind of a, a crime pulp stuff like you know with it with like Stray Bullets like it's funny I keep meaning to return to Stray Bullets because of the number of whatnots who mention it in our mentions as like a, you guys should be reading this and as someone who really Stray, loved Stray that Bullets first run of Stray never... Bullets yeah, it's never worked for me. Right. Where it did work for me for about 24, 26 issues. Like, it, end, it ended for me before the book ended. There was a point where I was just like, I'm sorry, I'm just not on board anymore. And I think that's part of why I've never been able to come back to it. But, but I do have such fond memories of those first 20 issues. And I can see why they wouldn't really be your thing. That part of me is like, yeah, I would, I would love to, I would love to see that, you know, back in something, you know, but who knows? Part of me is also, I haven't revisited it because I also sort of suspect that maybe it hasn't, it won't age well for me in my memory, you know, again, apart from as part of that, oh, this is all going to be one interconnected story and all these characters are going to be like, oh, okay. And then toward the end being like, yeah. He's gonna tease that, but he's still trying to figure out where that's going, and I, I just don't feel like hanging around anymore, kind of thing. Like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gonna go home, you know. Exactly. So I'm, I'm just done here. Are you guys done here? Like, can we just agree that we're done? Can we just like we're, it's, that's it. we're, we're finished, right? Right. Yeah. We're all, we're all good. We're done. <laughs> Great. No, but you know what I mean. Like sometimes you do. You're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over. It, like it's done. Yeah. Completely. I, I've, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Like. I hope like are you guys good? We're good? Great. Like let's let's just call it. Yeah. 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 I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So if someone gave you uh a reasonable budget, I was gonna say unlimited, but that's ridiculous. A reasonable budget and said create an anthology of new material. Uh as its own individual thing? Like Yeah. Uh, um yeah, I feel like there's so many people out there that I would love to see that work from in that weird like yes which is why I'm not going to mention anyone you know like 
Ian Boothby and Jazil Lagasse are working on Exorcisters, which is coming out soon from uh, Image. I'll be, I'm really looking forward to seeing it and seeing what it would be like. I like both of those creators so much. And in a perfect anthology world, I would let each of them have their own title. I mean, I guess if they want to do their stuff together, all the better. But I think I really like what Giselle does in like a, in that kind of, uh, like a larger contemporary comic format, you know. Um, and then Boothby's great. Uh, who's the guy who just does not get enough love? Uh, who writes DC's kids <laughs> comics? Oh, Shirley Fish. There we go, Shirley Fish. I would love to see Shirley Fish actually get a chance to develop something and do something. And I think all of this would be done with sort of uh, in kind of a teen format, you know, almost more of a manga anthology where everyone's doing like, you know, uh, weekly installments that the, the where the page count isn't necessarily that high or bi-weekly installments and they're expected to do more. Um, ah, shit. And on, and on that line, I was like, yes, such as, and again, it just flew right out of my brain, you know? Well, I, I guess what I was, what I was going to ask was, mm-hmm. um, would you have, like, theoretically, 2080 is a science fiction comic, right? right? Yeah. Uh, you you get the manga anthologies which are thematically based. Right. Would you want or or, or audience based? Mm-hmm. Would you want to do that, right. or would you want it to be like I'm just getting a group of creators I like and they can do whatever they want? Like for example, Deadline, right? You know, which, which I loved way back when, but was very like you know content agnostic. It was it was all about basically, are you cool enough to be in our gang? If right. so, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I I always, whenever I think of anthology, it's like, yeah, get cool people and let them do whatever they want. But it is kind of tempting, the idea of doing a science fiction uh, anthology or I, you know, I always feel like there's this weird sweet spot with with horror where horror stuff is usually one-off stuff. And when you have continuing characters within a horror genre... I feel like 85% of those fail and the other 15% become huge. You know what I mean? Like if you think of how successful like The Walking Dead is or The X-Files were or um, like Dylan Dog is to take an an Italian example. Like, and so there's there's kind of I would love to try and do the sure, like I want to break that formula I want to understand it. Well, I think I think there's just something that I I maybe because I really became a Marvel zombie at the time where they switched to their superhero horror hybrid. You know, like Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider is actually a pretty good example of like a horror comic star that that is a quote-unquote breakout character, you know, Mm -hmm. at least enough to get two shitty movies out of the whole deal. And so I would kind of love to have a kind of a horror-based, I don't know, anthology or, like, you know, some version of, like, a comic book universe, something with reoccurring characters. I guess Hellboy is another one, too, in that regard, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. like, if it works, it actually, for whatever reason, tends to be... 
have some extra oomph to it. And as somebody who likes comics and horror, but generally is left pretty cold by most horror comics, um, I think it would be, I think it would be interesting to, to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I know I talked about it on Tumblr, and I think I've talked about it here as well. The Thirteenth Floor collection that's coming out from Oh from yeah, Williamson. Yeah, uh, I I'm super curious about where you're going to think of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is, to my mind, a horror comic that I mean continued not maybe for an incredibly long time, but it was a weekly, so you yeah. know there's a lot of episodes, right? Um, but has the format that allows it to continue, and also. It's it's Alan Grant and John Wagner, and they're very aware of when they are running out of the road, and so they take a, a diversion, mm-hmm. a bunch, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it particularly entertaining. And it has the whole class war aspect to it as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, just just like have a 13th floor revival, just just mastermind a 13th floor revival. <laughs> right, right. No, totally. Uh, you know. I, it's funny to me how much like some of 2000 AD's stuff like you know I again officially pre 2000 AD but of the same school book you know Hookjaw is very much uh, an ongoing horror comic and so mm-hmm. is its spiritual successor Shaco and for me honestly Warlock tends to work better as a horror comic than is the science fiction comic that it ostensibly is the yeah. the Marvel Warlock? Uh no 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 sorry uh Nemesis the Warlock sorry oh Nemesis the Warlock yeah Nemesis to me is very much kind of although part of that is just you know O'Neill's incredibly over the top kind of things but also I think you know <laughs> Nemesis is also a dark wizard you know or whatever uh, he's, he's literally a warlock Jack. yeah he's oh right there we <laughs> go hence the title yeah exactly so you know so like I. Yeah, I kind of think that that it would be the Brits kind of have that idea of how to do that sort of darker anti-hero, or at least they used to, and it would be it'd be great to figure out a way to do that. Like I said, again within that kind of horror thing, because I I feel like oh it'd be gangbusters, but also I just kind of feel like it's a I feel like part of what comics can do so well, at least you know as we tend to the format in which we talk, tend to talk about them has a lot to do with continuity which i think can both undercut the idea of horror or help amplify it depending well so. one of the problems with american comics mm-hmm. um is that they're character based right right so you get the you get the stories can't really end mm-hmm because the same character has to be doing something next month. Right. Right? And one of the things that anthologies are so good for mm-hmm. is that you can, at the very least, take a rest with a character. Right. You know? Right. And I think for horror, that's really important. Yeah. You know, like, whereas I think comedy actually gains from repetition. Mm. Gains from, like, mm-hmm. the character coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. Because you do get the, like, it's a running joke. Ha ha, waka waka waka. Right. Horror is the opposite. Yes. Like, you can't do the same thing over and over again. That acts against the, the, the scare of it all. I, you know, and on the, I like, 
I agree with you. I, I definitely do. I can tell that you do. Because well, you say it in the tone of voice of but. Well, no, because I I see I see your point. the The problem is is that when the characters aren't allowed to stop, like you said, and I think you know, I think that's the problem. When you have it like the the characters are like. You know, I feel like uh, John Constantine sort of ran into this problem after a while. It was like, there's only so many of his supporting cast that you can kill after exactly. a certain point, you know, exactly. and he himself can't change. But you can use, they squeezed a lot of material out of that. And again, part of me is like, if you're thinking of an anthology book, like almost within some sort of shared horror universe where you can like move away from some of those characters, you know, mm-hmm. or even have the guy who's the the hero of series one ends up being like the undead villain of season five, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like then at that point you can sort of start because I think there there are people who are into, oh, the mythology, you know, the world building mythos of of horror and also i feel like the very character driven horror of stuff like stephen king that was huge gangbusters is kind of like oh like maybe if you join those together and i say that as a guy who has had no interest in watching castle rock and has no idea if i ever fucking will have you given it any sort of a try or i no? have literally given it maybe 5 minutes mhm Mm-hmm. Uh, and then honestly, something distracted me, and whatever happened in those five minutes, and I honestly think it might just be like someone climbing up a hill or something, right? Uh, was so non-compelling that I have never gone back. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure one day I will. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like one day there will. Be... That's the plus side about having something on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know when the quote-unquote broadcast season is over. Yes. I go back and, and, and watch that if I so wish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'd be lying if I said that, you you know, my excitement about The Good Place being back. Mm-hmm. And I've not, like, I've not even seen the first episode of that, even though it aired a, a couple of days ago. I've just been too busy. Mm-hmm. But the excitement of that, like, far outweighs the, the you know, quote-unquote excitement of watching Castle Rock. <laughs> yeah. And I, I say that as someone whose friends writes for the show, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just... It's not my genre. It's not really my uh, my thing at all. Who's the friend who writes for Castle Rock? Mark Bernerson. Oh, right. Okay, that makes sense. Of course. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. you know. So it's so it's it's one of those things where, like, I'm curious, and I, I'm actually uh, I'm formally curious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very curious, like, how do you essentially do a Stephen King story without the Stephen King characters, but also that somehow involves the Stephen King mythology? Right. But at the same time, I I know so little about the Stephen King mythology that you could, you know, lie to me and be like, oh, that's that's from this book. And I'd be like, okay. We'll see. Yeah. Which, yeah. I've never read it. And and so I, I think I'd miss a lot of what actually works well and i feel like that's that thing of like i'm not enough of a super fan like although i had been at one point there was that classic like oh i'm either only going to get the obvious stuff which seems too obvious or or i'm going to miss the really subtle stuff you know the deep cuts so i'm kind of like i don't really even know what's left at that point but also 
I have to tell you, and perhaps it's unfair, but after watching the strange, crazy belly flop that was the Gotham TV show, or at least the two or three seasons that I watched, like, I do have, like, kind of the flip side of that of, like, yeah, I don't think that's, you know, the diminishing returns of, like, oh, hey, we're going to take all these characters that you know and do something with them, you know, like, really, for whatever reason, kind of diminished. Like, I'm sort of like, I don't think that I want to see a Stephen King universe where it's going to, like, just, there's something where I feel like in my heart, I'm in a post-fan service world, you know, for myself. You know what I mean? Like, I understand the need for fan service when it started, and, and by fan service, I really mean the, you know, oh, here's the wink in the reference, like, ah, uh, did you catch, did you catch Cujo in the background, you know, kind yeah. of deal, or like, oh, see, that was Doctor Hugo Strange, a wink, a wink, a wink. I'm like, I don't, so, so much of the fan service stuff, like, I need, kind of needed that back during the day when it felt like, oh, don't worry, like, this is being made by people who really care about the characters and are going to, and are and know enough to cut you a mythos cut to let you know that the two of you are in on the joke of of selling this to the mundanes or whatever. Well, well, what actually I think ended up working in Gotham's favor, and I want to say I stopped watching after season three as well. I think we might have stopped around the same time. Yeah. Um, is the increasing suspicion like they really don't give a shit about? The mythology. Well, you know what I mean, like right. it was it was when they mm-hmm. did stuff that like was massively at odds with the mythology. Yeah, and that was the stuff that caught my interest more. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was like you, you know, you've killed off the Joker, right? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. As opposed to like now, I know they brought him back, and it's like, oh, fine, fuck right. if you have to. Like it's it's the it's this you know as we we're saying last week about the Joker movie. Yeah, like what makes both of us quasi-interested or as interested as we are about it which is not to say very interested mm-hmm. but it's the idea that it's not going to be like the Joker movie you expect yeah right right exactly well no and the Gotham stuff did have this thing of like oh it's going to go somewhere but I mean for myself at a certain point I'm like the best thing they could do with this show is kill Bruce Wayne and then we would just re- then we would right? really have it because then you're like everything's up for grabs yeah exactly and just have people be like, holy shit, what, it, what? And then just, yeah. and then just run with that. But yeah, maybe because it was at the end of the third season, which managed to kind of try and have it both ways. It's like, ah, uh, Gordon's run I, off to become a vampire hunter or whatever, it, you know? Yeah, I honestly, I honestly don't even remember how yeah. it ended. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I could not tell you what happened last. I want to say, God, was it, maybe it was the end of the second season. Uh, what's her name? Came back to life. Um, oh yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Fish Mooney or whatever. Yeah, yeah maybe it was yeah. just the end of the second season. Jesus, they jammed so much into that second season. Well, I just said like the, the, yeah, there was a lot mm-hmm. that <laughs> they really went through. Lunch. I th- really think it might have been the second season. I'm not even sure if I watched the third season. Yeah, yeah, maybe not me either. Uh, yeah, and uh, so right, so Gotham. Where, I don't know why I was talking about that. Oh, right, the fan service. Like, like you said, the best part of Gotham sort of seemed like when they kind of were just sort of like, well, fuck it, you know. But I sort of feel like so many shows now, it's like, oh, here's the fan service deep cut to make you feel like we know that you know that we know. I'm like, 
A, I don't need any, any of, most of that is just, maybe I'm just grouchy tonight, but I'm like, it's just too cutesy. I don't, I don't need it anymore. And then there's that thing of like, oh, but because we have to be, you know, keep fidelity to a certain amount of blabbity blab, we can't really just fly off the rails. And, and I say that as someone who it's like, sometimes flying off the rails is not a great option. But there's also other times where it seems like, where it'd be great. Yeah, right. Where where it becomes great, and or it, it can actually launch and become its own thing. You know, mm-hmm. exactly. It has its yeah. own resonance. So I think that's it. Feeling stuff where so much stuff feels so yoked to. I, I have to say, on a related note, um, I I sat Edie down because I was a statistic bastard last night, and I made her watch Justice League. And <laughs> wow, okay. You know, she was kind of like, "Okay, fine, I'll fucking watch your Justice movie." And I'm like, "Yeah, check that out." And, Wait, have you have you seen it before? Oh, I have, and I I I, I, I yeah. honestly didn't remember you saw it. I know you did. I'm sure I, I you like, didn't. I'm sure you I was didn't like, remember. Jeff, that. why why would you make? And I said this is someone who enjoyed it, but at the same time has never really had any inclination to go back and watch it again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why would why would you make Edie watch it again, um, or watch it in the first place? Why? Okay. why yeah, that you... is a good question. No, that's a good question. I and I don't, I do not have an, any answer that does not hint at, at at weird perversions. Like I was just like, yeah, I hated that first Justice League movie so much. First Justice League movie. God bless you, thinking there's going to be a second. Right, exactly. <laughs> That I just I just hated that film so I like literally was so bored and filled with contempt while watching it like just just because it was awful that I was kind of like oh this is gonna be great we'll just sit here and um I was like I'm gonna get high and I'm gonna watch my wife just hate the hell out of this why, movie why would you do that I just figured it'd be fun to hate watch it with her and you know what the fact of the matter is is that it wasn't as terrible as I remembered it, she was like, oh, I like I like that one guy. And I'm like, yeah, he's pretty good. She's like, yeah, he is. Uh, and that, that guy is the, <laughs> is the Flash. I was like, right, I really, I, I like their approach to the Flash. It was not the, the not the perfect approach, but it was, it was okay. Uh, but for whatever reason, I was like, huh, it was boring, but it wasn't offensively boring. I think the other reason why I wanted uh, to have her watch that is Edie had seen uh, was like I feel like the only person on earth who was bored to death by the Avengers you know oh no me and Edie both you were like were you bored by the, the se- first Avengers the sec- movie no, I, I watched the second time and I was like this has the worst pacing of anything I've seen in a long time oh, okay alright so so she's kind of interesting in where she goes she's like Avengers movie boring uh winter soldier boring wasn't even going to bother I, I think still hasn't seen captain america civil war because she thought winter soldier was so boring but like uh, but yeah captain america civil war also has like real pacing issues yeah like it, it honestly i would not be surprised if she thought that was boring as well yeah right so right so there have been ones that i've tried to keep you know keep her away from but on the other hand it's like 
Thor Ragnarok, Spider-Man Homecoming, the first Guardians to a large extent. We both thought the second Guardians stunk. You know, a little hit or miss. So I was like, I wonder what she will think of uh, Infinity War. And it was really interesting watching Infinity War with it with her because she was entertained and into it, you know. And I think a lot of that, you know, would be like, um, you know, if you got rid of Tom Holland, we would be in like serious trouble. But but even still, there were other stuff like the like rewatching it. I was like. Man, the Guardians material in Infinity War is so much better than Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Like, it is markedly better, you know? Apart from Peter Dinklage, which still strikes me as like, how did that did not get cut out of that movie? Oh. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, that's the weird thing is, is they really kind of had to have a, an epic journey that moment with Thor. Like, it's all tied to Thor moments, but... Yeah, I know what you mean. Some of that stuff was, but no, I just mean like even even some of the dumb comedy bits in in Guardian in in uh, Infinity War were surprisingly I I still think hold up as funny bits as opposed to the Guardians of the Galaxy two stuff where I was like, wow, these characters are just just annoying, just really yeah, annoying. Yeah, Guardians like, of the Galaxy two is is really amazingly like space assholes the movie. Yes, exactly. And it was just like, ugh, this is, oof, this is not I, 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 I'm kind of not suspicious of, but like when people are like, oh, Guardians 2 is the best Guardian, uh, best Marvel movie, I'm always a little bit like, okay, so you and me are never really going to be friends. Right, okay? right, exactly. Well, it's kind of interesting because there was, uh, I think I mentioned this a few episodes back, like I started to watch someone's, uh, 20-minute analysis of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and how much she liked it and how much it was all... Like, she's like, it's all thematically tied into the concept of family. And and she started to explain it. I'm like, yeah, she's right. I'm like, it's still not any good, though. It's not... Yeah, but like, you say that like that's a surprise. James Gunn did everything short of calling the movie Daddy Issues. Well, okay, but... Like, the... it's not in the least bit subtle. Uh, that is true. I guess what I mean is, is that she really goes to break down how you've got the daddy issues, but how the stuff with, uh, Gamora and, uh, what's her name? Um, with these two characters who are sisters. Nebula. Nebula yeah. Thank you. But also how the guardians function as a default, uh, family and the idea of Groot as a kid, the idea of you, you know, the, 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 the daddy issues have everything to do with like ego is literally a horrible dad. And he's of course, literally the sign of ego. He's just utterly narcissistic and self-involved. And unsurprisingly, Peter Quill is right on the cusp of that and what keeps you from being that is family and the idea of knowing that there's more to you than just yourself. Again, it's all like, like you're right. You're still like, Jeff, that was still incredibly obvious to you. For me, it was not so much so and I was like, oh, okay, her whole case for why this is put out there. I'm like, yes, I see what she's saying. Like, she's like, this is a movie where it's like, it's all thematically coherent in a superhero movie that's actually about something quote unquote and I'm like yeah but it's also not enjoyable so <laughs> you're like yes but I don't like yeah, it yeah but I do not like it 
anyway, so so once Edie watched Infinity War and liked it more than she liked like Avengers or a lot of other Marvel movies that she didn't like, you know, I was like, huh, I wonder what she would think of Justice League. And in a way, part of me is like, this is going to be great. Justice League is going to seem like this huge face plant by comparison. And honestly, it was Justice just... League, here's the, Justice League is like not terrible. Justice League is just not good. See, and this is the thing. I actively remembered it as being genuinely fucking terrible. And when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, it's it's not so bad. Like, it's not... It's not really good. But, yeah, it's not so bad. Like, honestly, between Snyder and even... And Whedon sort of, you know, hammering behind the scenes, I'm like, oh, like, these characters... A lot of these characters have arcs. They have, you know, issues and things they have to overcome to, to come there's, together there's as like, a team. There's, there's good moments. There's... Yeah reasonable dialogue you know it's it, like there are worse films like there are genuinely worse films i honestly think that the first avengers film was a worse film than justice league Oof, i that's interesting i i, I, I really i really genuinely think the first avengers film has significant problems i believe it because again i walked out of it being like that wasn't so great and yet feeling really happy like i was like oh i guess i enjoyed myself is that what's going on like who knows i could have walked through an amazing cloud of pot smoke while leaving the no, theater but, but like i i think the marvel movies are really good for that you leave and you're like, I feel good. Mm-hmm. I must have liked that movie. And the trick is just never think about them again after that. Well, yeah. Because if you do, they're going to start falling apart. But, like, if you literally just leave and you're like, hey. Yeah, but, I talk, mean, like, in, in that sense, I feel like people talk about how Hollywood's been dragged down by the superhero movie. The fact is most movies are like that. Like, I don't sit there and be oh, like. I'm not, I'm not arguing that, like that makes them worse than other movies. I'm right. just saying Marvel movies in general mm. like fit into that pattern for me. Yes, right. Right. I can see that. You no, know, like no, right. you know, well, at the same time yes. like you know it's not like I've ever finished a Transformers movie being like, "Hey, you know, it, it, it's the Marvel movies are better than Transformers movies. The Marvel movies mm-hmm. are, you know, they they do their job. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I I see they do, and I think that's my thing. Is is the thing about Justice League is, I really did find it boring. And Avengers has pacing problems, but it also has moments that are, I don't know, whatever it is. It's it it seems it seems seems ridiculous for me to fuss and and put up a fight because my whole point is. I tried to make my wife hate watch yeah, it, and we just your whole point is it. your whole point is ultimately I watched again and I realized I didn't hate it as much as I did. Yeah. So I think if you're like you're doing another heel turn by being like, but it is worse. <laughs> well, my, my problem is then you turned around and put a quantifiable number on it where I'm like, oh Graham, no, I can't agree with that. Like Justice League, uh, the movie is definitely better than. Justice League, the movie, the first time I saw it, and that's about as far as I'm willing to go. But okay. you know, <laughs> but then once you're like, oh, let me break this down, I'm like, ugh. I mean, I'm sure I suppose I could. Well, all right. So Graham, oh, right. here's wait, the thing. Wait, here's a chance for you to. Where's the number I put on it? Just that I thought it was better than Avengers. Y- yes, I mean that's what okay. I'm saying. Like, and that's it. At that point, it's just a number. But. So, yeah, but at the same time, like we've already established, that I didn't really like Avengers. No, I know, I, I know. But I, I, at the same time, I was like, no, no, Graham, no. 
Okay. So here's the thing that we can step outside. What would you say as long as we're having just a a a, a, a potpourri of an episode? Yeah. So what would you what would you call your five favorite uh, superhero movies as of oh, today? Jesus. I know, right? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what a horrible um, thing to do to you. I don't know, but I will say this: I've told you, or maybe I haven't. Uh, I I rewatched Superman the movie mm, for the first time in, in like forever because mm-hmm. it's on DC Universe. Mm. I'd forgotten how fucking long that film is. Yeah, and I'd forgotten how fucking slow the start of that film is. Yeah, I don't want to hear anyone complain about the start of Man of Steel ever again because Superman the movie is honestly slower to get to Superman. Ah, uh, no. no it, there's like half an hour before Krypton even blows up, Jeff. It's not. Wait, you're you're no, watching. No, it really is. You're watching a different cut. Are you watching no, the I'm restored watching, director's watching, cut? Nope. I'm watching the regular cut, Jeff. I thought that, they get that, to the that, title sequence the, in the first ten minutes. Oh, the title sequence is ten minutes long, Jeff. Okay, well and that that's, doesn't. That's my mild exaggeration. The title yeah. sequence is like genuinely impressively long. Yeah. Um, it, it honestly takes half an hour to get Superman to Earth. Really? Yeah. Oh. There's a lot There's a lot of shit on Krypton. Like, so much more than I remembered. So much more. I don't know, man. I still think... I'm like... All right, no, I'll take the, your word no, for it. The, 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 and the reason I'm saying it's definitely not is the running time. Right. Because the, the like director's cut is like 2.45 or something. Mm-hmm. And the version that's on DC Universe is like 2.20. Right. Yeah. Okay, just so, I, I, um, but yeah, it's right. so slow. Um, right. I mean, it's fun, but it's so fucking slow. Uh, let's see. What would, which movies would go on my, my list? I really don't know. Like, I really don't know. I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Like I said that, I was just like, man, that's um, a total butthole. I don't, think, I don't think I can make a five. I genuinely don't think I can make five. Uh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Like, Winter Soldier's probably on there. Uh-huh. Although, yeah. I haven't rewatched Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen it once, but I remember really liking it. Right. Um, Black Panther, definitely. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Probably Superman the movie. That's four. Right. Uh, the last Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man: Homecoming. That's not. A, that's there you go. I mean, that's the thing that's so. I started with like me being like I liked all those movies. Right. I could. I like. I, I wait. Are we saying superhero movies or comic book movies? Uh, I feel like maybe because like Scott sp- Pilgrim would be would be right definitely on that list for just in comic book movies. Yeah, let's split yeah. it out. Do a superhero movie and a comic book movie list, or you can combine them if you want. I'm not. I'm uh, not if we're doing comic book movies, then Scott Pilgrim's on there. Dreads on there. Mm-hmm. Um, is History of Violence on there? Probably. Oh, interesting. Uh, and then, sure, Black Panther, and... That makes life a little easier for you. Yeah, Black Panther, and... I don't know. I don't know what the last one would be. What about you? Because I feel like you like these movies better. I don't know. I, 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 You know what? Fuck it. Barbarella. Barbarella's there you go. Humor. Great choice. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good call. And in fact, I, it, I think you could make the case that one of my number one favorite... Con- so, 
comic book movies and then superhero movies. For comic book movies, it's going to be uh, Danger Diabolic, uh, the Buster Crab Flash Gordon uh, serial. This, this, the Sam. I was going to say Sam Cook Flash Gordon. That would be great. Sam Jones Flash Gordon. I thought that you were going to put that on the list, actually. So I was surprised that you didn't. And I'm, I'm of a generation. I, 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 I actually forgot about it until just there. <laughs> But yeah, for me, the Buster Buster Crab stuff uh, is is stronger for me than than the than the remake. Although the remake the remake has its charms, it's so much campier. Uh, and the original, I saw it at such a formative age that when I've tried to rewatch it, I'm like, huh, this is hmm, this really aided by the way in which I watched it. But the, when I was young, uh, Ghost World. Uh, this is sort of cheating, but the creators more or less think of it as more of a movie, but the end of the fucking world. Um, mm-hmm. And then for the coveted number five spot, I know there's a, I know there's one that was like, oh, old boy, because old boy was a manga before it was, it was a movie. So that's, that's five mm-hmm. comic book movies. And then the five superhero movies, I'm still it's been a long time since I've seen it but I'm really partial to Batman the Adam West version uh Sure uh the stuff, I forgot about that one as well. Yeah, yeah, I can't I can't blame you. Uh Superman the movie is always just hovering right near there but I'd really have to rewatch it. Um uh you I I, I you really should. I mm-hmm. genuinely genuinely was surprised by it. Yeah. Like there's so much I just didn't remember about it. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if I would have that same thing. I I guess I would, but I'm like I I feel like I watched that movie a lot because it was during that it first came out during that time where I was Mr. Like, let's go to the movies. Five, like Star Wars it just drained me. It's like I have not appreciated a movie until I've seen it five times in the theater. Uh, blah. Uh, yeah. The okay. So, and I. This is actually the weird. Like, it's not a good movie, but the parts of it that I like, I like a lot more than other superhero movies. Would be uh, God help me, Dark Knight. Um, with the old Heath Ledger Joker in there. Uh, Black Panther. Um, I'd have to see if Thor Ragnarok really holds up as well in my memory as I remember, because I remember just really enjoying it in the theater. Oh, yeah, I re- yeah. again, I remember leaving the theater and just being like, I feel great. Yeah. But I, I'm honestly worried to rewatch it. Right, right. Because uh, I did feel good about it, you know? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And then, yeah, four and five are going to be... I feel like it's got to be Winter Soldier for me, uh, even though, again, I'm aware that Winter Soldier is, a is to me, it's a movie. I'm always shocked that Winter Soldier works for anyone that's not, like, a fan of the Captain America comics. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I feel the, the there's a lot of stuff that I feel that it handles really well, but I feel like the... Cap Bucky relationship was so undercooked in the first film. There's just not enough powering what's going on in the second film, you know, for, for their, their fight never feels especially fraught 
within the context of the of the film's story the way sure. that it should you know um but yeah let's let's play it safe and be like and and say um say uh, uh say captain america the uh, winter soldier and then i feel like i have one le- no i guess i don't i guess that's pretty much it so right two batman movies let's say the superman movie and then you know the the black panther and uh and the latest um and and and, and uh captain america too so that but, seems very on jeff lester brand on or off on the only one that's off is superman superman's i think the only one that, that surprises me from being on there yeah me too and it's kind of like i almost feel like that one could be like a rotating spot you know what I mean? Where I'm kind of like, oh, in fact, mm-hmm. I really like a blankety blank, you know, because I again, I'm having that weird nagging feeling that like three hours after we get off the phone, I'm going to be like, oh, shit. No, wait. Damn it. I meant such and such. Yeah, exactly. I I totally loved uh, Deadpool, you know, um, which to be fair, honestly, Deadpool was perfectly entertaining. I did not have a problem. Did, with it. did you see that um, they're apparently releasing a new cut of Deadpool 2 for Christmas? Yeah. Is it? Has that been confirmed? Let's put it this way. I knew that it, it was has, Mysterious it Deadpool all, Project. So It has been all but concerned that it, uh, confirmed that it is a PG-13 edit of Deadpool 2. Wow. Where scenes are going to be replaced by a framing sequence of Deadpool reading to an adult Fred Savage in bed <laughs> a la The Princess Bride. <laughs> That that is that that is the 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 uh that's the buzz, Jeff. That that's what right. people are are saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is just like nuts. Yeah. Um, but also, whatever is going on with Fox and the, the X Men movies is like I can't blame them for being like fuck it. Let's just try and make some more money out of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that there's there's a lot to be honestly. I would hardly surprise me if, um, if the, uh, like, it's kind of weird. Like, part of me is like, oh, that seems like such a shameless money grab. But there's a lot of kids that seem into Deadpool, like, and that. Yeah, literally, literally could not see that film in the theaters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And part of me is like, I don't think that that's such a terrible thing. I do think that it's funny that it's sort of, that, so Deadpool coming out at Christmas means, that what was coming out at Christmas that gets bumped to Valentine's Day? Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell got bumped to Valentine's Day because X Men all of a sudden is being bumped to the summer. Right, like to June something. Like it's very interesting. Yeah. I really Dark wonder Phoenix. if between Deadpool and the reaction to the Dark Phoenix trailer that that Fox was like, well, fuck it, we're just gonna we're gonna go for this, you know? Oh, it's is it Ghost? It's not. You say Ghost in the Shell, you mean Battle Angel Lolita? That's totally what I mean. Yeah, yeah by the exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I knew there was something that was throwing me off on that. But, uh, yeah, like, kind of a weird series of uh, it's, sequences. I, I'm, I'm super curious about uh, Dark Phoenix being bumped four months, like three days after the release of the trailer for it. Yeah. Uh, 
Especially yeah. because New Mutants got bumped after they released the trailer for her. And New Mutants got, like, seriously bumped. New Mutants got bumped, like, nine months or something insane like that. Yeah, well, that's uh, the... Yeah, right. Which, I don't know, I mean, maybe I, I could I, be wrong. I yeah. still think New Mutants isn't going to come out. Yeah. I think I think we're just not going to hear yeah, from New Mutants. It's going to get shelved. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you about that, that New Mutants is not going to come out. I could be wrong, but I really, there was enough buzz about, uh, Dark Phoenix, like, relatively positive on the, um, on the old, uh, internets. And then when I went and watched the trailer, I was like, yeah, I'll watch that. Like, for, I was like, I kind of got the feeling that it would, might not be terrible like i don't know it which is funny because i'm very i feel like the the x-men first class universe did a pretty good job of rebooting things but it's sort of been diminishing returns for each movie for me like which Mm -hmm. i always end up seeing sort of more or less for free when it shows up on hbo like i've seen sure yeah Yeah. and at a certain point i'm just like I don't, I don't, I don't need to see any more of these. That there's no well, point. There's, for that. there's, there's not only that, like, but the fact that uh, Disney's going to buy Fox mm-hmm. and re- clearly reboot the franchise mm-hmm. really makes me like, I know you can't shelf Dark Phoenix because you've made it basically. Yeah. But wouldn't it have been great if they had just stopped Logan? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, like you, yeah. you literally had the, the the movie to end the franchise. Yeah. And then you just kept making them because you didn't realize that you could have stopped. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Just the, the thing about the Dark Phoenix trailer for me was honestly, um, and you know, by the time this podcast comes out, I've been out for two weeks. But as soon as I was like, oh, there's Magneto, there's Xavier. Mm-hmm. They're having fights about their relationship again. I was like, this is all that all the movies are about. This one actually has another character's name in the title. Can she not have more fucking lines than James McAvoy? Just in the trailer, please. Just once. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean, and I'm, I, I understand that. Weirdly enough, I was okay with McAvoy, but when, um, what's his name? Fassbender. Michael Fass, Fassbender. Michael Fassbender showed up. I was like, Oh shit, no. Cause honestly, f- watching the, the amazing thing about the X-Men franchise has been watching the light in Fassbender's eyes die for like movie <laughs> after movie. And the last one, I mean, there's a guy who really likes being able to like, you know, fuck things up a little bit. Like, you know, he's clearly like, yeah, I'll do something different let's do something different and so just the idea that he's got to play the character the same every time is just soul killing like i i swear to god i didn't even recognize him because he was so joyless in in dark phoenix the movie trailer but there is part but of me and this is magneto he should be soulless well not he's, soulless he's evil right mutant. not not soulless is <laughs> i know like, i know ah, i know i'm, just, I'm, but I yes. know I'm literally just like taking piss yeah, yeah just i get it and it seems stupid. Part of me is like, yeah, but you gotta kind of gotta redo that movie because, you know, you don't you don't have to redo that movie. I you really don't. I can see my I what, can see it where you're let's like, yeah. stop just like fucking X Men like fan services and saying you have to redo Dark Phoenix. No, you don't. 
you really don't? Why can't you just be like Phoenix and be fine? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with the Phoenix stories where it's, oh yeah. Yeah. Don't get me started, Jeff. Yeah. Don't, almost yeah. did. Don't I, I know, started. I know. Okay. Well, alright. Fair enough. Fair enough, Graham. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, apart from the fact that Disney will soon own everything that Google or Apple doesn't own, I'm not super crazy about the idea that the Marvel Universe, cinematic universe, gets to be all the Marvel characters now. Like, I'm sort of... You're not? I'm surprised. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't really Why? care. Why? <laughs> Are you serious? No, I, I'm, I'm genuinely serious. Uh, like, you as a Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. Like a Marvel comic book fan. Well... Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm not super excited but that's honestly because i'm not a massive fan of the marvel movies i'm not a massive fan of the x-men movies i'm honestly like when it comes down to it an ambivalent fan of the marvel comic book universe sure like so it's like like i i could care less one way or another like i i would rather have someone else doing x-men movies because it's potentially a different flavor uh right right but but what's your what's your complaint i don't know does care about Marvel more than I do. Well, as I'm, I'm someone who cares about more Marvel more than you do. Although, I, and perhaps I'm protesting too much or fooling myself. I really feel like I don't necessarily care about the Marvel movies that much. You know, like I don't. A lot of them I didn't bother to go see in the theaters. A few of them, it's like I catch. I'm like, oh, I like this well enough. I thought that stank. You know, whatever. I don't have much of a interest despite, well, for one thing, up until Infinity War, uh, I would say that, that the Marvel movies really suffered from one of the things that actually tended to decrease their enjoyment for me as a, of a movie is that they kept having to shoehorn more stuff in, like, there was always like, oh, okay, now we've got to, you know, it was one thing in the origin stories where it was like, okay, we have to introduce three characters, you know, your hero, your villain, your supporting cast. Then the next movie, it's like, okay, now we're introducing whatever our next breakout star is that's going to become the centerpiece of, you know, the next part of the franchise or the next team or whatever. Um, I just... I feel like I feel like the I feel like the universe is already a little overcrowded and maybe of course if a lot of people end up dying in Infinity War Part Two that will be less the case. But sure. uh I just feel that you've had the universe go the direction that it went for so long that I don't see the point of that introducing mutants into the Marvel Cinematic Universe at the for how long the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been going on is going to be a bad fit. And I also feel that way kind of about the Fantastic Four. Like I'm kind yeah, of yeah, like, I I don't see how you add the Fantastic Four in now at all. Yeah, like, I don't. I, I, I don't just either. don't because I don't think basically they stand out. Yeah, and I think for them to work, mm-hmm. like. You actually have to. It's like Superman in in the comics, right? Superman kind of has to be first. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So I think honestly, you know what I think would be sort of funny, and I doubt they'll do it, would be to almost take the the planetary approach 
and have the Fantastic Four more or less be the architects behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe that people didn't know about, like have been sort of operating covertly for a long time and then ultimately come out. And so it's like, oh, this is sort of the first super team. I even say that now and I'm like, well, they're not going to do that because that's more or less what they're doing with Captain Marvel already. So I think that they're going to... Well, I I just assumed they were just going to, like, send her off into space and or put her in some sort of, like, you know, stasis. Right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where they're going to what, however they manage to handle that. But, of course, the whole idea is certainly because no one's mentioned her before, there's going to be enough of a feeling that she was sort of covered up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So figure they could do something like that with the FF. But, yeah, if they're not first, I'm kind of like, I don't. I kind of don't see the point. I don't see how they would fit. I don't see how they would work in sort of the same way, kind of. And so, yeah, it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Like you said, the X universe tended to be tonally different. And I thought for the most part, that was just kind of a big bag of crap for the most part. Like, glossy crap. Like, I was always like, each one of the Brian Singer movies, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, that was a good film. And then I rewatched it, I was like, the fuck? This is No, like, yeah, this is not good. Fucking yeah. hell, what an endurance contest that one was. See, I, that's interesting. Did you, like, even on First Code, did you think they were good? You know... Because, like, I remember, I remember being excited about X-Men, like, the first one. Right. Basically because it was a comic book movie, right. but not like in the movie. And I remember the second one just seemed like to go on forever. Yeah. And I remember the, I remember the third one I only saw on a plane and was just, like just spent the entire time assuming that it had been cut shreds because it made no sense to me. Oh yeah. And you're, you, you assumed wrong. Yeah. No, I, I everything I've heard says like suggests that I, I might have seen an uncut version. Yeah. yeah I, was, I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, that, that, that movie was dire. You know, X-Men 1's really interesting because, again, I feel like it says a lot about the lowered standards of the time. Uh, I remember seeing that with Hibs, and Hibs afterwards was like, that was the best superhero movie I've ever seen. And I was like, is it? You know, like, I, I liked I liked about 25% of the first X-Men movie. And maybe at the time I, I was like totally blowing it out of proportion and I would have walked out saying like, oh, I liked about 60% of that. But the but the fact is for me, apart from Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and, uh, and, uh, shit, fuck, fucking shit, uh, Kitty Pride, um, no, sorry, Rogue, because that's why I was getting confused. Anna yeah. Paquin's Rogue, apart from those two, um... I didn't really like much of the rest of the cast or the movie or, or and just the the portentousness and some of the shitty dialogue and you know the big fight scene with the Brotherhood of Mutants in them. I was just like, yeah, no, it's not. I don't think that this is particularly great. But I remember Hibbs being like, that was terrific. I was like, well, if, if you say so. X Men Two had stuff that in some ways it was. It's almost kind of, this is a sloppy comparison, but sort of X-Men 2 is the X-Men 1 as, like, the Dark Knight is the Batman Begins. You know what I mean? Like, on the one hand, I thought the stuff in X-Men 2 that I liked, I liked a lot more than I liked in X-Men 1. But there was also just 
never-ending amounts of boring horseshit, just really boring, uninteresting stuff, like beyond dull. And then, of course, the third movie is such a ridiculous travesty. Um, and then when I saw X-Men First Class, uh, which I was aware is like, oh, this is a better movie, I was also kind of weirdly bored by it. Like, I'm trying to think what the... Which one's the second X-Men First Class movie? I guess it's not really First Class. Is it not Days of Future... Is it Days of Future Past already or not? I don't think so. I, I think it is. That, is it? Yeah, I think it is. Oh, it's not the third? Like they don't, they don't do uh, like. An... Does it does it not does it not go first class days of future past apocalypse, uh, and then it is because it's sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and eighties was apocalypse. So yeah, days of future past had to be seventies. Oh okay, right. So right, okay. Then yeah, that really because then it's singer steps back in, and I hate that. Well, wait, which one's the movie where it's like um. It's got Psylocke and Olivia Moon and was that like Apocalypse. a fourth movie? No, that's that's the third movie. That's Apocalypse. No, that's Apocalypse. What's the one where it's they're? <laughs> is that the one where they're like fighting at the end of time or whatever? Oh no, wait, that's Days of Future Past, right? Okay. Yes, I, these are obviously very memorable films. Shit. Yeah, no, they are. They are. They are terrible films. They're really bad. Uh, yeah, so... Oof. I kind of love that the X-Men movies are so bad, in a really weird way, because I think it says something about the X-Men comics, and that is simultaneously meant sincerely, and the slam on X-Men comics. But there's something... Honestly, like, for me, after Claremont leaves X-Men, you have 11, 12 years of... That line being astonishingly generic and mm -hmm. by design, mm -hmm. you know, like really trying to genericize it so that if someone likes the X-Men, they can pick up any of those X-Men books. Right. You know, and there's so many crossovers and there's so many like, you know, characters move from this to this. And and, and there's something about that mm -hmm. era which has permanently colored the X-Men franchise for me. Mm. Um, So to the point where like the X-Men movies kind of being shitty. Mm -hmm. And kind of like generically shitty to the point where like we genuinely can't remember which movie's which. Right. Um, seems weirdly fitting to me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Whereas like, sure, of course they're shitty. Of course, of course they're really generic because why wouldn't they be? Well, I, you know, that, and that's, that's actually a really good question. And I feel like the answer is the, like I said, the parts, there's a lot of parts of X-Men that I do not like, and I understand some of their thinking beyond parts that I don't agree with. Wait, are you with. talking about the movies or the comics? Sorry, the movies. Because for me, the first X-Men movie is, like, I think that Halle Berry's Storm is terrible. But Oh, yeah. But I can see why they made that choice, and they were thinking, like, oh, this is going to be, this is one of the favorite characters of the franchise, Holly Berry's a super big star. This is going to work out great. And of course, it, it of course does not. But I, I, I felt that the first movie, if only because of the amount of work they did, again, to have Wolverine and Rogue and have them be both our entry point characters and also such a weird offset, like, 
being like really keen into that idea of like oh Wolverine as sort of mentor figure to a young girl teenage girl yeah teenage girl had like works like there was just enough thought in that first movie that I was like oh okay they're going to continue to put that much thought into more of the movies and and they just really kind of absolutely didn't you know yeah I mean it's worth pointing out like we haven't talked about X-Men Origins Wolverine oh right right exactly which Uh, I didn't even I haven't even seen the Wolverine yeah Right. Or or yeah. Logan. Right. Um, X-Men Origins Wolverine is, like, just staggeringly bad. Yeah, that's, that's I what mean, I've really, yeah. really breathtakingly bad. Yeah. As in, you quite believe that if someone... You quite believe that they set out to make a bad film, right. to be perfectly honest right. with you. Right. I personally believe that... Like, I haven't seen it, but it must be genuinely terrible because one thing that everyone said when the Wolverine came out was, well, it's better than the first one. Uh, and seeing that, seeing, seeing the Wolverine, I <laughs> was like, like I've, I've seen that film, but yes, that's not good. That movie is shit. Like, it's really bad. Like, I'm, I'm amazed how much, like, I really thought that Logan was going to suck because it was so much of the same team from the Wolverine. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, Logan's okay. Logan's not great, but Logan's got some really decent stuff in it, you know. So, uh, but yeah, no, it just, and I think that's the thing. It Because, I guess, Marvel, because the Marvel Cinematic Universe is all that Marvel does, and it's one little central focused thing, like the, the Marvel movie makers are working on Marvel movies kind of all the time. Like, there is a certain amount of care. There's shit that's clearly slapdash and made up or, like, they did swerves and pivots. And honestly, there's not anything that's much deeper in terms of what they're thinking than how do we introduce this next character in this movie that then pays off in the next film or whatever. But even that, it ended up being more like everything that the X-Men movies always ended up feeling like was... We've got to make another one so that we can keep the license. What do we do in this one? You know, like yeah, and and that just it just it just felt that just felt so like the tedium. Like I said, whenever you, whenever I go back and visit those movies, they're just really tedious. I mean, I don't know. I know that Brian Singer is currently a director out of favor, uh, but I you know really went on to think like yeah that guy is is really dull like i'm uh, like all of my opinions of all of his movies have dropped except for maybe the unusual suspects which again was overhyped in the first place but i think is still probably pretty enjoyable as a film but that i feel like has as much to do with the christopher mccrory script as it does Mm -hmm. with with Singers. Was it directing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Ah, Graham, blah. Wow, I can't believe we did such a deep dive into the X Men movies. I'm like, stay tuned, where we like talk about the sheer misery that is like the Spider Man movies pre Marvel universe. Oh, oh no, oh no, let's not, let's never do that ever. Oh, oh my god. But again, talk about like when you were starved for good. Movies, right. Right? right? I remember, I I remember 
very, very, very seriously the number of people who managed to convince themselves that Spider-Man was good. Yeah. Just because, like, it's Spider-Man and he's on the movie screen. Yeah. It is inherently good. And you're like, no, this is a bad film, you guys. It was was amazing. Like, I remember watching that film being like, wow, like, just, A, it's underwhelming, and B, it was also so, they just, like, I'm like, you ripped off Batman? Like, like it really had such a, like, you guys couldn't do any hard work on your own. You just decided to look at the Batman template and just rip that off and then just sort of fine tune it fair, as needed. He was ripping off himself with Darkman, which ripped off Batman. Uh, so. is there, is there, is there more, is a specific Darkman rip? I guess maybe some I'm of the just, scenes. I'm just being a dick. Oh, okay. All. Thank you. Cause I had a moment where I'm like, hmm. Also, Darkman, that movie was dull, except for that one moment where he loses his shit at the carnival, which is great. <laughs> I think Darkman's probably better than Spider-Man. I, uh, uh, Part of it is, I really don't like Tobey Maguire. Right. Really don't like Tobey yeah. Maguire. Right. Uh, which was always going to be the problem with those movies for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it, to this day, I'm still like, Andrew Garfield's so better than Tony McGuire. So I'm sorry, everyone. Oh, I, I will never, ever, ever be able to suitably apologize for genuinely thinking that, um, Amazing Spider-Man 2 might be good because then I saw it and it, it was, it was not. Oh God. But yeah. Amazing Spider-Man was alright. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Amazing Spider-Man. I feel like two-thirds of Amazing Spider-Man were great right up until that final finale and it's like once they do that thing where they like isn't there some fucking thing where they're like let's line up all the wrecking balls between here and showdown building so that Spider-Man can swing from blip to blip that's in that one I right? I, I, is, it, is it? Is that not two? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Two has other stuff. Cause it's, it's, which which one is the one that was clearly shot for 3D? Oh, I have no idea. Or is it both? Maybe it's both. I think there's both definitely were. there's yeah. definitely moments where it like like do you remember when movies were shot for 3D and like they were really shot for 3D and it was really obvious? Yeah. Because people would be like, "Why don't you look over there?" And yes, like, exactly. Or like every like every scene had to involve someone throwing something at the camera. Yeah. And and at least one of the Amazing Spider-Man movies is full of that shit, like mm-hmm. distractingly so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like breathtaking. <laughs> like, Takes you out of the movie every single time. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're not good. But anyway, I, right. the short version, I hate Tobey Maguire and I think Andrew Garfield was better uh, Peter Parker. Well, my problem is Andrew, Andrew Garfield is hobbled by the fact that he was like 30 fucking years old playing a college, uh, playing a high school student and so they set the cameras in the next fucking room. Like, you don't get a single that, fucking yeah. close-up on him, you know? You say that, but Tobey Maguire was also did not look like a spring chicken to me, but that's just me. They didn't, but at least they leaned into it and put him in a close-up. You know what I mean? To me, it's just they put him in a fucking <laughs> close-up. Like Andrew Garfield, who I really do admire a lot as an actor, is filmed from across the room. And then, I'm sorry, the angsty bullshit is is bad. Like, everything that, that works for the first two-thirds of the movie, by the time that, that Captain Stacy dies, and then in the second film, it's... Ugh. I have to say that the thing... I 
it's a shame to me that the second Amazing Spider-Man, that the Andrew Garfield stuff didn't work. Because I do feel like, as as much as I like parts of Spider-Man 2, which, honestly, I really do like some of the stuff there, I think. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, what's his name? Alfred Molina is a great Doctor Octopus. Yeah, I might, I, that's one that I might actually sort of wholeheartedly, well, wholeheartedly, half-heartedly throw on the top five, maybe if I was feeling angry at, I don't know, Richard Donner that week. But I, it, I, it's, I feel like the, the weird thing about the Spider-Man trilogy is the first movie kind of feels like it hates women and then just more or less goes on to settle on hating Kirsten Dunst for the rest of the trilogy. And I just... And, and oh boy, does that movie series hate hate, hate, like the love and interest of that movie series. Yeah, yeah, and that... Like it's super, like, it's weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. You it... have to wonder if, like, at some point, Sam Raimi and Kirsten Dunst had a falling out, and he was like, okay, I'm contractually obligated to have you here, but... Right, yeah, completely. Well, supposedly, if, 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 that's what happened with Tobey Maguire and Dunst, but yeah, maybe the just the the way the way that ends up playing out but it's also just the way that like yeah mary jane's uh character in parts two and three are so like they really play her as just a horrible shrew and it's just gross and they don't do that in the first movie on the other hand they're kind of always constantly throwing her into like like creepy sexual situations or you know stuff like that is yeah there's an undercurrent to those first those sam raimi movies the spider-man movies where i'm always like i don't think that sam raimi has an especially healthy relationship with women i have no idea i've paid no attention to that guy or his career but like i'm just like nah something something there always rubbed me the wrong way so you know, so then I walk into Amazing Spider-Man and I'm like, oh, but it's made by someone who doesn't know how to tell a story. Fuck. So, you know. <laughs> who needs a story exactly. in a movie? What are you talking about? Right. You know, he's just good guy, bad guy. They fight. No, it's, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming really was done very well. And I'm I'm surprised and pleased that basically the same team is coming together to do a second film. I'm like, I hope they've got something to do because they did it pretty well the first time. So, yeah, no, I I, I agree, and and it's uh, like I I am not I don't have nearly the Spider-Man feelings that you do. Yes, but there was a sense of relief in Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Of like, oh, it doesn't suck. <laughs> right. right. Oh, thank God. I mean, sure, it's the third attempt at a Spider-Man film. In like 15 years, but still, it doesn't suck. Okay, that great. Okay, yeah. sure, we can breathe now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. What a relief. Graham, why have you never taken to Spider-Man? Is just never a character that you uh, ever identified with? Uh, well, I can't stick to walls, Jeff. And That's weird. I. I, I tell me about it. I tried so many times. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just uh, like I've read a shit ton of Spider-Man comics, but I'd be lying if I said that he was one of my favorite characters. Wow. It it just um 
You know what it is? Mm-hmm. This is a super weird thing to say about Spider-Man in particular. Yeah. Spider-Man has, I think, on some level, always rubbed me the wrong way because he's come across as smug because of the wisecracks. Mm. That's interesting. That makes sense. That makes sense. But, like, it's hilarious for fucking Spider-Man, where his entire thing is the wisecracks are papering over how not smug he is. Right. But, yeah. Well, I kind of I kind of get that, because I do think that there is a little bit of the leveraging, you know, um, depending on when you're reading it. You know, I find it fascinating that Peter David, who I always thought wrote a pretty decent Spider-Man generally, talked about his feelings that Spider-Man you know, as he put it, sort of more or less turns into the jock bully that bullied him once he puts on the outfit. And I was like, ooh, that take rubs me like all kinds of wrong ways. But I also kind of see what he's saying a little bit, you know, because Spider-Man is so obnoxious as Spider-Man, you know, in, in, in so many takes on the character. But I do, I do love that character, and as you know, so it's it's funny, so much so that I just assumed that you did as well, of course. And I remember one of the things that um, before we did the Baxter building, I was we were kind of knocking around ideas of what we could read through, and I thought that we should do a Spider-Man podcast, and you were like, no, like you really vetoed that son of a bitch fast, and I was like, oh, oh I as much as I am hating. The DeFalco Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think 1990 Spider-Man would have killed me. Yeah, I kind of see that. I kind of see that. I think I think it genuinely would have killed me. I think there are a bunch of Marvel titles that are like super solid for for the majority of the run. Like I mm-hmm. think Captain America is actually a super solid book. Right. Um, honestly, maybe all the way up to the Constellation of the first series. Hmm. Like it gets kind of ropey in some of Grunewald's stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, there's there's always a level of like professionalism and and fun, right? Right, and then you get then you get the Mark Wade issues, and then it gets cancelled, right? Um, I think the Fantastic Four is kind of ropey, mm-hmm. but I think that um, you know, uh, Thor. I think Thor might be kind of solid, at least through the end of the Simonson run, if not through like the early Defalco Friends issues. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man is one of those series I think is actually genuinely solid all the way through, like, basically McFarlane showing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it just... I It does not work for me. Mm-hmm. I, I could not tell you why, but it's... it's I, I, I honestly could see... Like, by the time Mark Bagley shows up, I think I'd be like, nope, checking out. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Done. Like, I've, I'm, I'm like... You know, we've had the 72nd Venom story, and he appeared 12 issues ago. Like, what what the fuck is going on? I don't care about any of these clones. Like, what the fuck is happening? Right. Um. Yeah. It's as like I'm saying, as much as the the last, I mean, what six years of Fantastic Four are horrendous. (laughs) Yes. I I think I'm not exaggerating. It really is. No, no, no. It's well, it's three fifty eight through. 416 so that's like 60 issues mm-hmm. so five years the last mm-hmm. five years of Fantastic Four are are bad and just progressively getting worse which is you know horrible yeah um, but I think 1990 Spider-Man is worse and doesn't stop 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, FF gets cancelled. <laughs> right. Spider-Man doesn't. Yeah, it just keeps going. Spider-Man just keeps going. Yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just... He's not a favourite character, and, and I think that, like, his Nadir is so much worse. That makes sense. Spider-Man's never on the cards. I, it's, I like him, but I don't love him. Yeah. Which is why, the, like I said, the last Zdarsky issue mm-hmm. um, of Spectacular Spider-Man was so great because I really was like oh he's a great character like you do Spider-Man right and he's a great character mm-hmm. and I just don't have that and like you love Spider-Man uh, David Brothers loves Spider-Man like yeah. all these people like who who I know and respect love Spider-Man yeah and it just it's never he's never had that impact for me wow which is which is again is totally makes sense is great but is is such a stunner to me because like I said I just naturally, I so took it for granted. I was like, well, you know, Graham's read and likes some Marvels, so, you know, clearly is that that's going to include Spider-Man. You know what I mean? And No, but I've read and liked Spider-Man. That's true. Sure, sure. But... Like, like I've, you know, one of the, uh, I would say it was one of the comics that I read most growing up. Right. Like, like as a kid kid. Right. Because... Um, because Spider-Man like was just constantly reprinted in British comics, mm-hmm. like constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had like you know before I was you know, um, like before I was twelve, say mm-hmm. I would say I had read more Spider-Man stories than any other comic book character at all. Right, right. Um, but it just never. I don't know. Part of me, like even saying this, part of me is like, is Spider-Man too American? I don't know. Could that be it? Maybe. I mean, that's something where, like, hopefully the listeners can can hop in with their their two pence. Yeah, but people in the in the in the comments, like, are you really into Spider Man? Am I an outlier by not having this this really close emotional uh, response to Spider Man, mm-hmm. or or is it like is it a I don't know generational thing? A geographical thing, right? Like, is it literally just that some people get Spider-Man and some people don't? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'd be super curious because even as I said, like, is he too American? I would then immediately follow up my brain with like, but no, I love Superman. Yeah, but that's, but that's different. Like when you said, is Spider-Man too American? It was kind of where I was inching toward as well, and I'll be curious to see if that's what people have to say. Superman, I think, is the is a character is almost Superman an, is an immigrant story, right? And so, in a way, he's an American character that almost makes more sense to non-Americans. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so I can see where that makes sense. Whereas, like, the Spider-Man is probably very is probably closer to the American dream of Americans, you know, of second generation, third generation, whatever it is, Americans. And at that point, you're getting into a, a much more weirdly, a much more weird uh, self-image thing, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, because there is a lot of, you know, I mean, we're recording this episode and have done a great job staying away from the toxic soup that is uh, a America right now, but <laughs> but I think that it's relatively easy to say that that everything that Peter Parker has 
that sort of an aspect of his character maps pretty easily onto a lot of the biggest shitheads in American culture, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get how, how that is a thing. Like the, the, the Spidey is just, is a, in some ways, a much better, purer way for the way that Americans see themselves but if you scrape off the the that stuff what's also crucial to that character is very much the sort of paranoid american exceptionalism i guess you know or feelings of american exceptionalism and paranoia that power every white guy in power narrative i suppose mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know that that somehow manages to make them insist that they're the victim even while they're the ones that are not, that are actually the ones <laughs> persecuting. I, I'm in the week we were recording. Yeah. 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 There, there was, you know, there's a really obvious yes. example yeah. of that, like, more so than most weeks, even most weeks full of shitheads. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But we'll we'll leave that lie... Graham McMillan, it's it's been a pretty solid two hours. I mean, it know, has. Yeah. It's, it's time. It's time to wrap things up. Yes. Uh, in that case, this is when I say there's going to be show notes for this episode up on waitwhatpodcast.com. You will also find content from Wait What Enterprises TM LLC uh, <laughs> Inc. And I, what uh, what other what else other types of companies could be Corp Wait What Corp Yeah. Uh, at uh, Instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod, uh, com, and on Twitter at waitwhatpodcasts. Jeff is on Twitter at lazybastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. I am on Twitter at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And we have a Patreon which pays for basically all of Jeff's indulgences. All, <laughs> it all, it all goes towards keeping Jeff off the streets. It does. And because of that, Jeff's going to do a PSA now about how we can all help keep Jeff off the streets and just keep him in the lavish lifestyle he's become accustomed to. Yeah, that's right. As everyone knows, that's the most crucial thing about me, that I have to keep myself uh, indulged off, in. Off the streets, yeah. Off the streets. Off the street. Yeah, because yeah. you know what happens when I go on the streets? I'll tell you, Graham. Uh, when we were in New Orleans, uh, <laughs> there was a point where we got into New Orleans, we got into the Airbnb that we had uh, rented. We had been traveling for um, like overnight like i guess it was it was literally like 10 hours but it was like from the hours of like our plane left at like one in the morning and then we just traveled and we had like a layover anyway we get in there at like 10 a.m we were on airlines where there was almost nothing to eat we were in airports where there was nothing to eat we managed to get back to new orleans as we got out of the car, like a torrential deluge just started downpouring. We like got drenched just running the 10 steps to, to the porch, get into the house. There's not a lick of food anywhere. I'm exhausted. Edie's dying of starvation. So we actually put on our rain clothes, get our umbrellas, march out in like this insane onslaught. Find a cafe that is not good in any way, shape, or form. And then I'm like, okay, well, at least we have food and we won't die. But I'm like, we have to get more food in the house because we can't have this happen to us again. So I look up on the handy-duty, like, okay, where's the nearest grocery store here? 
And as it turned out, the grocery, which was called something like Quick and Fast Grocery, was actually like a liquor store that also had, you know, a... Uh, Slim chips. <laughs> yeah, had a, had a fast food counter. Well, I say fast food, like a sandwich counter, like poor boys. Yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah. could get poor boys there and also Chinese food by the pound. None of it really looked that good. But in the course of trying to pick up food that was not beer, it was incredibly challenging. But they had these things called chiwis. And I was like, what the hell are chiwis? They were a local New Orleans snack. Uh, and they are more or less New Orleans Cheetos that came in a variety of different flavors. One of those flavors was green onion. And so, Graham, you're probably like, why the hell did Jeff tell me this story for hours on end? I will tell you, I love the green onion chiwis, which are basically like eating Cheetos, but like with green onion flavoring involved, that I went back to that grocery two days later and bought another three bags. <laughs> and then traveled home with the chiwis. This is what the money is going towards. This is what you're saying. Yes, this is what the money is going toward, Graham, because I ordered a case of chiwis from the chiwi people when I got oh back from San God. Francisco. They mailed me a box of 20 packages of green onion chiwis, um, which most people will be happy to know. Uh, I actually then passed out to my coworkers at uh, work, and most of them loved it, or so they claim to say. And because I have so many coworkers, I went, I'm now down to about six bags of chewies but uh i gotta say in all seriousness uh why not jeff has has visited portland a lot as as you all know whenever jeff's here he always buys things to take back to the people in his office and i find that remarkably sweet oh. i give jeff a lot of shit some of it is even deserved <laughs> not a lot, but some of it <laughs> but in all seriousness I love that you do that for the people you work with. I think that's just remarkably lovely. Ah, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I have to say, back when I was not the manager of the department, I was a complete self-involved son of a bitch. But now that I am, like, in the department, like the department head, yeah, I'm sort of like, oh, I think it's good to let people know that they're appreciated. Let the little ones know. Exactly. <laughs> I get it. Let the little people feel appreciated. That's great. Here, see that what seemed really sweet now just because you said that now feels a little oh, bit packed. I lo I love the idea that it's my fault that it's what I said. <laughs> I love I love how you're like, oh yeah, you really ruined that one, Jeff. I'm like, yes, yeah, I was, I Jeff was ruined that one. That, that uh -huh. You did that <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, anyway. Listeners, if you if you like knowing that the people in my department are able to eat green onion Cheetos straight from New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, you play a small part in that because not only do the regular listeners of this podcast give me the sort of um, support of my dysfunctions that a certain podcasting co-host may not, but the people on Patreon... Uh, also help throw us a little bit of the old Spidey Dosh. I was going to go Spidey Coin, and I'm like, eh, eh, no, 
no, Spidey coin. I like Spidey, Spidey coin. coin. Throw us enough of the old Spidey coin to uh, to help to help keep me um, in Chiwis. And we thank you. Oh, and I should say thank you, but especially the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy. We're especially grateful for their continuing support of this podcast uh, and and me. Grant. And and not destroying the universe. Oh yes, it, yeah. you, you forgot that part, which is <laughs> by now traditional. I have to uh, say it is traditional, but part of me is like, after this week, I'm like, Meh, go ahead. <laughs> What's great is like we're as we've said before, we're recording this will be carefully. Yeah. Right. So we're recording on the 29th of September. Yeah. People go back and look in your your calendars and see like why Jeff and I are particularly down on the world this week. But we don't know what's going to happen in this week. Oh, yeah, it's true. Like, Wouldn't it be- like we're we're like, you know, after this last week, oh, it's fucking destroyed the universe. Jeff, have you even considered the possibility that it could get worse? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty much counting on the fact that it'll get okay. worse. I It sounds to me like if I'm like, yeah, after the events of this week, just the whole idea that, like, you know, we managed to have a, a completely nonviolent revolution and like a week later we're actually looking at a situation where, you know, Medicare for all and we've passed like a, a new constitution guaranteeing like equal rights for all, you know, and yeah, that's, completely... Yeah, no, that's definitely happening this week. Did, didn't right. you get the memo? I did. Yeah, we're, we're, we're 100... Uh, what, so what we're doing is we're having the nonviolent revolution first thing on Monday morning. Uh, we think it's probably going to be over by like two. <laughs> you know, we're we're kind of hoping. Uh, and then we're we're gonna take it easy in the evening. That's right. You know, not not day. do anything, yeah. not do anything major. Yeah. Well, it's, it's gonna you know it's gonna be a lot. We're gonna we're gonna yeah. have to really prepare. We're thinking you know we we take it easy in the evening and then sort of prepare for Tuesday. Yep. And then on Tuesday we create a whole new system of yep. government. Yeah. Um, and we we started addressing some of the systematic injustices. Yep. Uh, and and some of the ways that even creating a system of government is in itself uh, unjust. Mm-hmm. But but we figured that you know if we really like basically if we split into teams, uh, that we can maybe handle that by like lunch on Wednesday. Yeah, that seems fair. Uh, and then you know I I've. I like I said I've got to fly out on Wednesday, so I'm, I'm oh, going to be fine. that. I'm going to be leaving that with you, right? Take on, uh, but it's 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 going to be fine. I'm <laughs> telling you, some, Graham. Some bit, telling you, don't go, don't go. I don't mean to be like, but let me tell you, if like <laughs> you don't if, want to be in the air for this, seriously. Part of me is like, you just don't. If all if all the nerds go to New York Comic Con. And we're only like halfway putting the government back together. I feel like you're just going to come back and just not be happy with the results. You know, it's true. Who is going to tell the world that Logan's real name is James? Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) They're going to be like, this loser over here thought that Wolverine's called Logan and he's really James Howlett. (laughs) Oh, no. How can we trust our president? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Plus, you'll come back and be like, so, yeah, Jeff, I was thinking about it, and uh, I was thinking I want to change up that list of the top five uh, uh, comic book hero movies. I'm like, too late. All, all the all of them. The exactly. Only... They're all in the National Library now. Exactly. Them. 
<laughs> the only acceptable answer is supernatural. And it's like, what? It's like, yes, we made it into a nine movie film series between Wednesday and Sunday. So you guys weren't around for it. Look, there's a look. There's more than enough hours of supernatural to make it into like. Well, a see, that's it. You, it's just like so, the old Planet of the Apes telemovies <laughs> where they jam two episodes of the of the TV series together. They did like eleven thousand of those things, man, and those were astounding. Like by the time they're like, now we return to breakfast on the Planet of the Apes, starring Roddy McDowell, that guy with the dark hair and that guy with the blonde hair. That's that I like that that genuinely is how everyone thinks about the Planet of the Apes TV show. <laughs> they're like, there's a dude and there's another dude, and one of them probably has a beard. Yeah, that's right. Christian Mark, that's it. Yeah. That is what the Planet of the Apes show was. That's what the Planet of the Apes show was. The sad part is I used to know the names of all the leads, like, by heart, and I didn't uh, No, that's anymore. that's not sad at all. That's actually really healthy. <laughs> Drag McMillan. And on that, on that bombshell. Indeed, indeed. Uh, we have a we have a back to building next week, and then uh, we're taking the rest of the month off. We yeah. should we should say that we should tell it, let everyone know, um, because Mister Swanky Pants over there uh, has has a very exciting trip happening. That's right. Uh, but on the plus side, this means when we come back in November, which we're only taking like two weeks off, and it it'll be fine. Like we'll be back. Before you even know it, um, I get to ask you lots and lots of really fun questions about your trip, which I'm really looking forward to. I know you're probably looking forward to your trip. I am far more looking forward to asking you about it when you're back. Yeah, it should be great. Uh, in case you're wondering what nuts, I'm going back to New Orleans for more chewies, So <laughs> It's the Chewy Hunt. Chewy, Chewy 2018. <laughs> I, I want to know what other flavors there are, which are the questions I'm going to be asking. Oh, okay. I'm, what I'm really saying is uh, next week is the Vax Building and then we take a couple of weeks off but we'll be back after that thank you as always for listening and more importantly 